0: This is Masters Cast, the first He Man and She Ra podcast, episode number 74, for Sunday, July 25th, 2021. everyone. Thanks for downloading. I'm John Callis, also known as the shadow.
1: I'm Katie Carty highly, also known as rainbow bright.
2: I am Martin Penny, also known as
3: wacky Martin.
4: I am Leanne Hannah, also known as Stratos Macca.
3: And I'm Josh to also known as Lioncourt.
0: All right. We are back because we have something to talk about. And that is masters of the universe revelation. Not revelations, plural. By the way, I see so many people mistyping that on social media. It's like that. It's getting to be that like gray skull with an e, for me. Like
3: you know what I think is happening? Revelation. It's it's no. What it is is it's all the people that keep forgetting to put the s on masters are now moving it to revelations. (laughs) It's making up for the missing letter. But um, so the brand new
0: masters of the universe revelation (laughs) debuted on netflix a few days ago part one which is five episodes uh the total for season one uh is 10 episodes so we'll get part two later later on um it did drop on friday july 23rd yes Yes. right july 23rd Mm -hmm. um it is a uh a production between Netflix and Mattel television uh, done by powerhouse animation, uh, who did popular things on Netflix already like the Castlevania series. Um, And uh, first we'll do our spoiler free uh, review, and then we'll kick off uh, on spoilers uh, later. Um, So why don't we go around and just give our general uh, thoughts on the five episodes. Without spoilers. Don't you dare spoil. <laughs> <'Cause>
1: <laughs> don't you dare make me edit this.
0: <laughs> if I have to edit this. This episode will not be posted. For at least a month. And then like. The steam has died. <laughs> Alright.
3: Who do you want to go first? You, well why don't you go. You're already talking. <laughs> <laughs> do it Josh. <laughs> okay. Uh, I really enjoyed this uh serious it is uh not uh at not perfect i've got some criticisms but overall i think they did a fantastic job i think one uh spoiler free kind of comment that i wanted to uh, get out there kind of upfront, that i think is kind of an important thing to remember is you guys all remember if we go back 20 years and it was the the 2000x era and we had the new show coming out the new toys coming out and there was a big thing about how uh, Mattel was shipping all these cases of figures where it was like five He-Mans and one of somebody else, four Skeletors and one of somebody and one of somebody else. And we had the whole glut of uh, figures in the, on the shelves and just he and Skeletors. And one of the things that kept being brought up by, certainly by me, and I think by a, a, quite a few people throughout the fandom, was Master has been Universe has always been an ensemble property to a lot of people. And yes, Human and Skeletor are the primary protagonist and antagonist, but there are so many great characters and so many uh, hi- bits and pieces of the history to, to uh, dive into with those and this series uh is sort of the reverse of what happened with those figures this series is embracing the fact i think that the fact that master universe is an ensemble series and there are more characters to explore than just the big two
1: mm, good i like point. that
0: well katie go ahead you next
1: Oh God! Um, okay, it's
0: <laughs> so, like darn it. We'll go Kate. We'll, we'll go Katie, then Martin, then Leanne, then me. That's oh, like great. It's like okay. a round robin.
1: Everybody else gets to prepare. Um, I'm kidding. It's fine. <laughs> um, I liked it a lot. I was able to keep myself almost completely spoiler free. I did not watch the trailer beforehand. Um, and like we have a, a, ch- a chat going between the five of us. I kind of, I mean, part of it, I was just too busy to look at it, but also I didn't want to read what you guys were saying in case y'all were like, y'all had some behind the scenes knowledge that y'all were sh- sharing between yourselves. And I just didn't want to know. I wanted to go into this completely fresh, um, And I was able to do that, which I think helped um, with my enjoyment, because I know there are some haters out there that y'all have told me about. Um, But the first, so I watched it with my husband. Um, He took kind of the morning off of work, and we just sat down and watched it together. And the first episode, whoa, like blew it out of the park for us. And the rest of it, obviously, was also very good. And then... um, that fifth episode on that cliffhanger is like, whoa, again. Um, But I... So I didn't have any expectations going into this, which I think also helped because I knew that they were... Yeah they had said they were going to pick up where the filmation series left off and I was like cool but also in my head I was like this is not going to be the filmation series I already know that I have no expectations that it's going to be anything remotely like the filmation series if it is great but I'm not going to expect that um but I love that there were definitely nods to it. And that just gave me the warm fuzzies. But it was also its its own thing. And I loved that. I, I really enjoyed the creativity that went into this. And like Josh said, focusing on different characters um, for once. Uh, kinda, not really for once, but in such in-depth uh, and for several episodes in a row kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, my initial experience is very positive and i've started watching it again i'm only two episodes back in so i still have three more to go to rewatch, and then i'll probably do it again and again and again because i have to like pick it apart um not in a bad way i just mean i want to notice every little thing that i may have missed during the first watch or two but i'm just loving the he-mans back for another generation and I know that my brother, who I grew up, you know, he's the one that got me into *He-Man* to begin with. Like, he's been texting me the past couple of days. Like, when is it coming out? Have you watched it yet? So, <laughs> it's been another hmm. like bonding experience with me and him. Being like, hey, I wish we, we, we could like be in the same town and watch or same room and watch this together, but you know, busy lives, adults, all that. Um, so we, we weren't able to do that this time. Although we did with the Mike Young series watch the first episode together. So that was fun. At least we had that experience. But we're at least like texting each other. So the excitement is back um, from childhood. So that was, that's really invigorating for me as well. So, and yeah, I just texted him after I watched it. I was just like, get ready for a roller coaster, but I think you're going to love it. So I haven't checked in with him yet. I doubt he's had time to watch all of it, but I'm I'm looking forward to hearing his opinions and all of yours. So, who's up next?
2: Was it me? Was I next? I think Martin. so. Yep. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um I kind of went in uh with, with almost a sense of not dread, but like stress, which I think was mostly caused and I'm sure we'll get into this at some point in the podcast by the like the online discourse surrounding the series. Um, and I kind of went in not quite sure what to expect. And I did thoroughly enjoy it. I think there are some decisions possibly that were made. that were slightly questionable on my first watch where I was like, hmm, not entirely sure about this. <laughs> um, and I've since rewatched it twice um, because it's so short. You can just sort of, put it on as soon as you finished yeah Um, just those five episodes it's just like sitting through a movie um and on each watch i think i appreciated it more and i came to look at it more as like this is a story we've never had before with he-man you know it's something different um and quite unique um and i really appreciated that it was something different and quite unique even though it takes cues from mostly filmation it it felt like its own thing and it didn't feel like they were just rebooting the franchise and doing another filmation-esque series like they did with the Mike Young show. Not that I had anything against that, but it was it was basically filmation with a slightly different tone. Um, and this is something very different to what we've had before. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing what they did with the characters, which again, different to what we've had previously, and quite unique. Um, Excellent voice cast, um, beautiful animation. Um, Yeah, I really liked it. Um, Did not realize there was only five episodes on my first watch. Had convinced myself there was 10. Um, So I got to the end of episode five, and no next episode button came up, and I was like... Oh, I see. I've made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I really liked it. Okay, I guess oh, it's to Leanne. Sorry, Leanne. No.
4: <laughs> um, so I, I liked it um, a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I went into it with low expectations because um, like um, Martin mentioned, you know, I kind of got suckered into the the online drama and stuff. And also, I think it was Wednesday, um, people were able to share their people who had seen the series were able to share their thoughts. And so I did watch a couple of videos on, you know, by some people, spoiler free, um, people who normally, you know, I agree with their opinions, you know, I'm interested to hear their opinions. And so I was kind of, when I went into it, I was like, Oh, I better you know keep these expectations low um but i actually um really enjoyed it for the most part i do have some nitpicks it wasn't a perfect series um but like the animation was gorgeous the voice cast was really great um i kind of feel like i haven't rewatched it but i do think that i'll enjoy it probably more on repeat viewings um because it was a lot to process there's a lot to unpack in these five episodes um, but I also feel like I need to see how the the final five episodes wrap it up to be able to give like, you know, a fully formed opinion on how I think they've done with this. But um, what I've seen so far was, you know, was pretty good. And um, I kind of wish that they hadn't harped so much on the uh, it being a direct continuation of filmation because I don't feel it was. Um, there were definitely nods to filmation and, um, you know, there were parts where I felt, you know, that filmation, but overall I thought it was really mostly its own thing. Like it's a unique thing, um, things that they did with the characters and, and things like that, which was both good and bad in parts. But, um, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see what's next.
0: For me, um, I agree about the um it's definitely not a direct sequel to filmation um I liked they actually changed their narrative on that closer to the debut i it might have been Kevin Smith or, or someone to, uh, uh, on social media said it's more of a spiritual sequel mm-hmm, to the original yeah. property so that that kind of describes it, it, it for me like um however like Leanne and Martin um i I got really nervous uh, before the episodes dropped because I, too, I did not avoid spoilers. I I loved the teaser trailer, fantastic. I loved the regular trailer, also fantastic. Um, I was a bit confused at the bickering back and forth of, is this a Tila show? Is it not, like, the whole social media uproar? um, Because... Uh, my feeling is is if you have a good story you need to own it and I feel that there were some mixed messages going on of you know this side versus this side on social media uh, coupled with me listening to one spoiler free review of a re- of a reviewer that I I uh, really like um and she was, apprehensive <laughs> uh, on, on the thing. So I was really nervous going into it. Um, and on first viewing, and I think, Martin, you said this too, on first viewing, I was a bit mixed. My, my reaction was a bit mixed. And I'm going into this show as someone that's not the biggest Tila fan. So I'm a, I'm a bit biased in that when the when Tila does drive a lot of the plot, and I don't think that's a spoiler because that's kind of been the big debate um, online, um, and it's a character that I'm not particularly drawn to, wasn't really a favorite from childhood, um, I, I might have also allowed that to dampen my enjoyment a little bit when I went into it. Um, so after binging the five episodes, and, and I... After that, I, I was mixed, but i I liked it. I was not I wasn't as blown away, say, as I was during maybe the first season of Shira and the Princesses of Power. But with that show, we we got a whole bunch of episodes, right? So we got to kind of see an entire story arc all at once. With Revelation, we're only getting half of the story arc. And I think that might, give a disservice to viewers who went into this within kind of like a little bit of a nervous nature. Because I have a feeling part two is going to wrap up everything and everyone's going to be kumbaya. So if they did release all 10 episodes at once, uh, that might have been a little bit better PR for them. But upon the subsequent viewings, I did binge it two more times. I really, really enjoyed the series to a point that I did have emotional reactions to scenes that perhaps I was paying better attention to or I was now more familiar with um, especially on the third binge Um, like Martin said it's a really quick binge it's like watching a movie Um, so I definitely recommend giving it a few chances if you did have mixed feelings uh, at the beginning and I you know one of our friends was involved in the production of this show and I just know the passion behind him and he-man and she-ra so I, I i i wasn't nervous that they would do something bad i think i was just more nervous that like you know some of the plot was going to feed into the toxic people online and i i think that's what i let upset me um but the animation was fantastic the music was fantastic oh my gosh the music was mm-hmm. like to me it was like a mixture of like the original bill conti 87 music score mixed with like et mixed with like some danny elfman comic booky type it's music it was so good it it's was so just it, it was so good and that really helped the animation was beautiful the voice acting was superb i've i've seen uh, the, really the some of the complaints i saw was like merman sounds like you know batman because it's
3: kevin conroy but like merman just sounds generic that's yeah, the one yeah. i was kind of disappointed in and it's the only one like
0: yeah he didn't like characterize it but i also really didn't think of batman in my brain until the second scene with merman yeah um, me so, too yeah so even then i i was like oh yeah that's kevin conroy batman like you know i i, I just was very impressed uh, with the voice acting i know some people are like well it's just Sarah Michelle Geller sounding like Sarah Michelle Geller. Well, I didn't necessarily think that she would like put on an accent or something for <laughs> Tila. Um, like she was cast because of the sound of her own voice. Like she doesn't need to be like Skeletor. Um, same, same with Chris Wood. I mean, there wasn't that much of a difference between his prince adam and and his he-man but i didn't really feel that there needed to be um so i was happy with the voice acting um i was legitimately shocked at the cliffhanger at the end of uh episode five um not no i know this is not spoilers (laughs) but but as we know, there's more to the cliffhanger than the cliffhanger. Can I say that? There's more to the cliffhanger than the cliffhanger, and I I I anticipated something happening, but I didn't anticipate everything that happened. Um, so you, you even shocked me. So I was quite quite happy with that. When you can give the viewer something that they're not necessarily already expecting, um, so kudos to that. That I, I think that's the end of my garble gook on non-spoilers
3: <laughs> <laughs> can i can i comment on a thing that you brought up that's still yeah spoiler free uh you you were talking about Sir michelle geller and uh, just i wanted to mention that her portrayal so tila is uh, i don't dislike i don't know if that's fair to say you dislike but it's character you're not drawn to i think is what you said right but,
0: i don't uh, people and,
3: people like in person
0: I, that i've talked to feel that i hate tila <laughs> yeah. I, I don't Why? hate i don't hate yeah. tila it's just i was never again i'm uh, i'm a younger masters of the universe fan so when i came into the property in the 80s he i don't remember he he man existing without she-ra
3: without she-ra okay
0: so and when i went into into these shows Tila is and i don't mean to say this in a negative way but she's kind of like a generic warrior that doesn't have any like superpowers or magic like i loved sorceress i loved evil lynn i loved adora right adora transforms into Shira, so you can see i was drawn to the more like magical, magical mythical characters yep. than tila because i it just she was kind of just like the warrior which is fine it's just i wasn't drawn to her i said i don't i do not hate her though so i will just preface i she's just not on my top 10.
3: <laughs> so we've had obviously through all kinds of media we've had um different portrayals uh voice acting wise acting wise in general i guess uh for that character we had you know the, the original filmation series we've got the live action movie we've got uh what like a brief appearance right in new adventures i think she appeared in one episode or something um uh the storybooks uh that uh, came with records the 2002 series So, like this character has been portrayed by a lot of different uh actors over the years um i before revelation i think uh no i don't think i think my favorite portrayal of her from an uh a voice actor's perspective was the uh 2000 uh the 2002 mike young series um which was uh i i don't remember the name of the actress that played her in that but she was fantastic and i i really enjoyed that portrayal of Tila over all the others i think uh i need to take some more time sitting with this one but i actually think sarah michelle geller may be my favorite portrayal of the character now wow which surprises me because i'm not i would agree I'm not a Sarah Michelle Geller fan. I don't like or dislike Sarah Michelle Geller. I have seen her in a few things. I really don't like Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV series. It is <gasps> not my thing. Uh I know that's sacrilege and lots of people love it, and it's fine. Um, I could just never get into it even with how much I love vampires. So, like I'm coming in this with just a I know who Sarah Michelle Giller is. I've seen her in stuff. And don't have a strong feeling about her as an actor in any way, shape, or form. And yet she so sold me on this Tila. So I I was surprised by that. Um, I was someone who
2: was a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan back in the day. Um, So I kind of went into this thinking that... um, it would be very obvious that it was just Sarah Michelle Geller doing the voice. Um, and I think even John said, well, it's clearly Sarah Michelle Geller before we started recording. Um, but weirdly, I never had that. I, I just felt like it was Teela. I never kept thinking, oh, it's, it's Buffy, obviously. Um, <laughs> I, I think it worked very seamlessly with the character design that they gave her, that voice. I think it was very fitting. Um, Well, I saw
0: similar complaints for Evil Lynn. Like, she just sounds like whomever that actress plays on Game of Thrones. Yeah. And see, I've never seen Game of Thrones, and I know nothing about that actress. So, but to me, I I didn't have that I'm seeing Game of Thrones lady, right? I just saw Evil Lynn, and it worked. For me and maybe it worked because i never saw
3: see i don't game i don't buy dreams. that because i have i have seen some of game of thrones i've not watched the entire thing but here's the thing i think that sort of mentality with voice acting is no better than a thing that i really can't stand which is like typecasting of actors it's like Mm -hmm. oh william shatner could never be anyone but captain kirk ever or you know whatever like pick pick any actor in any role that's you know iconic in any way and it's like let them you know they're they're an actor they're they're not going to you know outside of a little bit of uh makeup or maybe if you're on like something like star trek or something they're going to put prosthetics on your face or something like that you're still that the the actors are are not going to look radically different from role to role and yet we accept them in different roles for the most part um and in certain segments of of you know viewers won't i guess but I, i think that does it does such a disservice to the actors themselves to the stories being told toward whatever. So it's like, if, if she sounds like that character from game of Thrones, like I, I wasn't thinking that I have seen game of Thrones and it didn't bother me in any way, shape or form. Maybe it, it, I would have noticed it more if I'd seen the whole thing, but
4: I don't know. So I've good is well,
3: Evelyn. Who cares? Like, yeah, great. I
4: I've seen all of game of Thrones and maybe mm-hmm. like right at the beginning, I was like, Oh, you know, I know who that is, but, she, I thought she did such a great job. um I mean, overall, like Evil dialogue was awesome. Well, so yeah, I goes... thought that, like, I, she just like melded right on into the character for me, and I, you know, after like the first few seconds, I was like totally into it. So I thought I thought she did a great job. I thought everybody overall did a really great job.
3: And I mean, how many characters in the filmation series sounded just like Man in Arms, more or less? <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> Well, I think you were making
0: this point, Josh, like if think of an actor, like a live action actor, like Sarah Michelle Gellar, right? She's predominantly, at least when I was growing up, a live action actress from movies to Buffy to all that stuff. Sarah Michelle Gellar in all of those movies, right? She may be wearing a, a, a different outfit. She might have a different hair color, but for the most part, she doesn't change her voice. She is, that's how she sounds. Or She's her face. Sarah Michelle Geller. Or her <laughs> face. So the fact that you put her on animation and you're like, oh, that sounds like Sarah Michelle Geller. Well, no duh. Because in every other movie, you know, oh, cruel intentions. Oh, Sarah Michelle Geller. Buffy. Oh, that sounds like Sarah Michelle Geller, because it's Sarah Michelle Geller. Like uh, Tila. Does not need a stylized voice. I understand the argument with Merman, perhaps because he's a creature that could have been more stylized. Yeah. Um, but people like Tila, Eva Lynn, like I really don't feel. I feel that the actress or actor voice would be fine <laughs> for mm-hmm. it, and it and, and we should accept it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I didn't hear Buffy until my husband said. Something about Buffy, and then I couldn't not hear it for a little while. Um, But it's like I knew in the back of my head going into this that I that she was playing that part. But I think I had kind of forgotten because it had been a while since I looked up the cast list. So that was another thing I had going for me. Like I wasn't, except for like Mark Hamill, like I couldn't forget that he was Skeletor. Um, But I think that was the only one that I was like, oh yeah, I for sure know who's doing that voice. So even. Sarah Michelle Gellar I had forgotten that she was going to be Tila and then later on we were like looking up voice voice actors and he mentioned something about Buffy and then I was like oh dang it now I'm hearing Buffy (laughs) but after a while it went away again because I'm looking at a character that looks nothing like Buffy and is a completely different person character lives on a different world you know so it, it very quickly went out of my mind and it did not bother me at all so yeah i agree that all of the voice actors did a fantastic job but i am a bit miffed about merman i gotta say
3: since, since <laughs> and we're Cringer. since we're talking about uh uh since we're talking about the voice actors Uh, let me just say that one of the ones i was most i mean mark hamill's mark hamill he's amazing he was a great skeletor like there's very little to say except it was mark hamill doing what he does best so that's that's like he's an amazing skeletor and i can't complain uh but so setting him aside for a minute because that's a given that he's going to be great i was so blown away and shocked how blown away I was at uh the guy doing Orko's voice who's Griffin something I can't remember his last name right now Newman He he Newman, it's I the think. first good Orko we've had since Filmation. Like I do not like how Orko is ever been portrayed outside of Filmation in anything. It's always been pretty terrible to me. Uh, even in the 2002 series that I love so much, I do not like Orko's voice in that series and he nailed this it's it doesn't sound that much different from the filmation one you lose the weird uh you know unnatural voice pitch change tech that they used in the 80s to make glushheimer sound that way uh make his voice higher and all that and uh, but his uh the way that he uh, he uh, portrayed the character the way he delivered the lines the inflections in his voice that is orco it was so good, and I did not expect to feel that way about Orko.
0: Speaking of the voices, I have a question for you all before we would get into the actual spoilers. And this is a technical aspect, because it actually, this, I don't want to say, uh, it tainted a little bit of my viewing of this series. For me, and I don't know, maybe it's my television, um, the sound mixing through the all five episodes was really bad for me. I mean, the music would often overpower muddled dialogue to where I had to rewind the episode and, like, squint my ears, (laughs) for lack of a better (laughs) term, to understand yeah to understand what some of the characters were saying it was weird like at points like evil Lynn would be muddled and then boom her 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 voice would come right back up and be clear and uh, uh you know in front of the music um and i don't have this experience on you know any any other uh current streaming thing so i was
3: just kind so of confused at the sound mixing i don't know what is happening with that so i want to so a couple of things so i was having a similar issue not quite the same i don't think to me it didn't really seem so much like the music was overpowering but it seemed like the volume kept fluctuating on the the especially the first episode like that was the the worst one and i i too was having uh some trouble it seemed to get better as the the series went on i re-watched the first episode this morning Uh, For a second time and it was still happening, but not anywhere near as bad So I'm wondering if this is a technical issue My uh, a friend of mine who has watched the first three episodes said that it was that wasn't happening on his at all so I don't know if it's something about the way we're watching it, something on Netflix end or, you know, something, but there was something going on there.
4: Yeah. And I've actually seen, I didn't have a problem, um, but I have seen in other people's reviews, they've mentioned that too. Something about the sound mixing was off. And um, I don't know if it's like a Netflix thing, because I actually had that problem with the Castlevania series um, to the point where I had to turn on subtitles because there were parts where I just could not hear what people were saying. And um so I don't know. Maybe it's like a
0: Netflix thing. I'm not really sure. Well, if it's Castlevania though, then maybe it's a powerhouse animation thing. Uh however <laughs> they're doing whoever's doing their sound
3: mixing, I don't yeah, think maybe... I don't
0: I don't think you're getting the Emmy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, well, it was weird it? though, because when I rewatched it this morning, it was still happening a little bit, but it was way better than it was yesterday. So I don't know. It's very strange. What I really noticed Martin? it. Yeah, I only noticed it with like a couple of skeletal
2: lines in episode one where I genuinely had no idea what he had just said. and there was one in particular where he calls the sorceress Zormonger. And I listened to it the first time. And I was like, did Skeletor just call the sorceress whoremonger? And I had to rewind it like, excuse me? And there was another line where um, he goes, you're overwhelmed. And I was like, what? What did you say? <laughs> um, those well, two did you- really stood out.
0: Well, you know, cause this was, this is aimed at an adult audience, right? Right, so like, I did think, yeah. That's why, yeah, because um, I uh, I was selling it to my dad because um, he did like the trailer, and I was like, you better watch, you know, Revelation. I said, not for kids. This is the adult cartoon. You know, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> we get a, we get a bollocks at some
2: point, don't we? <laughs> so yeah,
0: and
4: it. Did, I think Tila said like at one
1: point she was like, what the hell is that or something. Yeah,
0: they did drop no. hell a couple times, definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I did not have the same audio problem, thankfully. Um, so yeah, I am curious what causes that intermittently. Hopefully it will get better for you guys. But there, were, I do want to watch it with subtitles on at some point, because I'm sure there are a few things I missed here and there. Um, but yeah, I didn't get Zortmonger the first time either. <laughs> I was just like, uh, he said something, Monger. I'm not quite sure what, but I'll go back and listen to that later.
4: <laughs> Oh, before we move on from the voice acting stuff, um, I do want to say that my favorite was Tony Todd as Scarecrow. Oh, yeah. I thought he was just freaking amazing. And I tagged him on Twitter and I said something like, I didn't know how much I needed Tony Todd as Scarecrow in my life until today. And he liked my post and followed me on Twitter. (laughs) And I'm still so freaking excited about that because i love tony todd but um but yeah i thought he was freaking perfect perfect casting for that character yeah
3: i don't know uh honestly if it's the same voice actor or not i am assuming not but i got some uh and i don't know if yeah i think some of you guys will get this i got some uh like cave of wonders from aladdin feels from the uh from his scarecrow it was it was kind of (laughs) cool
0: it's not oh, the same yeah. guy but yes very similar yeah, yeah. i can i can see I, I can hear that yeah totally i definitely think he was a, i loved well we'll get this in the spoiler review because
4: i know like i didn't know how far far on. Into it. yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah well i guess we should okay Cover your ears! It's time for spoilers. Um,
3: <laughs> Hit which, stop and come back after you've watched it if you haven't seen it yet.
0: Yeah, definitely give it a shot. Watch all five episodes. If for some reason you're listening to this before watching all five episodes, you are lazy. It's this is all. It's already Sunday. It, you know when you, you get this. So,
4: but but go into it with an open mind. Um, yes. Like try not to let anything online influence you. Like make up your own
0: mind. You know. Hundred percent. Yep. Um so we're gonna uh try to go in chronological episode order with the review. I understand we might have to jump around a little bit, but our goal is to try to go in sequence. Um so the first episode for me opened much like a kind of a film like an amped up filmation episode. You had it kind totally of
3: totally Phil's filmation, <laughs> I yes, think anyway. You know,
0: yeah. comical the jokes the animation was beautiful um i was howling when orco says something like who has the power to help me and prince adam is there with like a pin to pop oh, a bubble yeah. and he pops the bubble and he's like i have the power yes <laughs> <laughs> i was no. just like yes this is this is awesome <laughs> like it felt like Uh, it had the spirit, that's the word, like the spirit of the old show.
1: 100%. The beginning was just so nostalgic for me. Um, and yeah, the, the puns were just flowing and all the cheese from the 80s and i was just like yes
4: poor Yeah, advocate. and i've seen some people complain about that and i'm like what? have you not watched the filmation show like this is great well, like,
0: so you know, speaking of that leanne i saw a review last night I, I i by review i mean i think it was a facebook post <laughs> um <laughs> of you know a, a, a so-called fan in a fan group right and he was Uh, ranking different aspects of the show and giving it a score out of five, like a one to five. And for source faithful to the source material, he rated it a two out of five. And I was just like, are you a fan of the source material? Because this was (laughs) absolutely, in my opinion, faithful to the source material maybe not five out of five right but to yeah, there work,
3: were a couple of things that were yeah wrong, but to but, give it a, a two
0: out of five for faithful to yeah. the source material no. are you nuts yeah. Like, well, like
4: yeah it's like even before like when one of the clips uh was released where like um you know randor says something to adam you know right shade at adam and like people were complaining about that and i was like have you seen the filmation show because this is what happened. Well, see, like, the,
0: the problem is they ju- use that to justify their narrative of, yeah. you know, their demasculating or however you say it, you know, Adam and He-Man to promote Tila as the lead of the show. And while it is completely valid opinion to either like or dislike the fact that Tila is basically the lead in these five episodes... That stuff that happened to Prince Adam in the clip, that is not out of character. That is absolutely the same way he was treated in the
2: filmation series. It's true. I do like how blatant Randall is just to yes. his face in this. Because in, in filmation, I think Randall made those kinds of comments. But yeah. usually when Adam was out of the room, I want to be like, true. oh, I wish my son was more responsible. And in this, he's like, it's called fatherly pride, Adam, look it up. And he's just like, <laughs> very, well, very. And
1: obvious.
0: that
2: leads right right into
0: people in that same scene are complaining that, oh, of course, you know, Tila becomes the new man-at-arms. Well, okay, let's see. She's captain of the Royal Guard. This is a spiritual sequel to the original. What would be the next logical step for Tila's career? She's going to replace Duncan as man-at-arms. Like, I I feel that, A, they were mad that they didn't call it woman-at-arms, maybe? I, I don't know. You know, because people hate the new, like, not the new, but like the proper use of pronouns these days. Um, I just don't, I did not see a problem with this. This is a logical step for that character, just like there's foreshadowing, in my opinion, during this five episode arc that she is going to become the sorceress of Castle Greyskull, which we also knew about
3: yeah we've known the original five episodes of filmation or whatever it was it was like a really early episode yeah
0: it's like this is her destiny so like i don't understand the problem with telling her story except that people i guess just want to see he-man fighting skeletor like that's not a it's not enough of a story though
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've like, already had that for 130 episodes in the past.
0: Right, if we've this was that. a if this was a reboot like Mike Young Productions and this is like the start like and it was just Tila's journey, I could maybe see the point, but this is not a reboot. This is a continuation. We we already mm-hmm. have a lot of He-Man versus Skeletor stuff. I I don't think it's wrong to explore a uh, the Tila aspect of this, I I do feel that they could have counteracted that with a B story, and we'll get into that later when we cover something that happens. <laughs> um, I think could have been expanded into a B story, basically, and that would have helped balance this more. I think for the haters, yes. Um, but nothing they did with Tila or He Man is out of the ordinary in in this to the point that out of character out of character uh, uh, when he-man does his sacrifice at the end of this episode right to me that's also not out of character like i i thought this move here was actually more justified than what he does in the filmation episode the problem with power like you know my problem with the problem with power was always that He-Man gave up the power, right, and then left Eternia wide open. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: Here, I feel it's way more justified because Tila was saying don't do this, you will die. He-Man says if I don't do this, everybody will die. Like, him making a sacrifice, that's totally in character with He-Man and I'm sorry, people, you knew he wasn't gonna be dead dead
3: yeah like i'm well, just
0: like come on
3: yeah that and the, the the cool thing about what they did here since we're getting into this is going to kind of blur a little bit into the next episode because it's all one story anyway but this is one of the cool things here is we had filmation stories like this where he man sacrifices him, himself in some way or you think he's going to in some way or another obviously it doesn't happen but like i'm thinking of the one uh Does he lose his memory? I think right, and he ends up on the planet with Plundor and all that stuff. But in those sorts of stories and filmation, we followed Human to wherever it was that he ended up when he was out of action. But we didn't get to see what was going on on Eternia while he was out of action. This is the flip side of that. It's like he's pulled out of the action, and we're getting to see the ramifications of that it's not really a new concept but we're seeing it from a completely different angle than we have before which is kind of cool i I hate to drag us
2: screaming back to the online discourse
4: (laughs) i know i was gonna bring something up Um, too
2: (laughs) but i do think we were discussing this yesterday um like john was mentioning that there, there could have been a b plot with adam um throughout the show um and i I do think, like, people said before this, this is the Teela show. Um, And it is. It is unashamedly (laughs) the Teela show. Um, And I think they should have just come out before this show came on and said, this is a show about what happens when He-Man is gone. That should have been the way they pitched it. Or at least the first half, right? Like, the first five parts. Like The first half of our season is a show all about he-man being absent and what effect that has on eternia that would have been i think the ideal way to pitch it
0: (laughs) yeah i think Um, they they the unfortunately i feel like like kevin smith and they felt the need to defend themselves from the trolls uh online and i felt that Kevin gave gave them more ammunition by kind of backpedaling and, you know, choosing his words wisely, if you will, without saying that this is the Tila show. Like it it is, like you said, Martin, it's the For the most part, it's the Tila show. But why is that a bad thing? If if that is your story and, you know, you feel it's a fantastic story, you should own that. And Martin, I like exactly what you said. Why not come out and be like, this is what happens to Eternia when the power is gone? Like, how do you get the power back? At least if you're honest and you own the story, I think it would have actually helped curve that Toxic narrative better because then you're all on the same page. It's like look they said it This is what happens and we're going to show you why this is a kick-ass story sit down watch these five episodes
4: yeah, um, I I think that uh, Kevin Smith handled this horribly and I think that because he's the one who engaged with these people and amplified their you know the trolls and made this into a bigger deal than it needed to be this drama was so unnecessary um just like own it like it's a story of, it's part of teela's journey um that's not a bad thing you know and don't like try and lie about it and say no it's not you know you don't know what you're talking about it's not a teela story like basically at PowerCon when they first announced this it it was a you know Teela is the one searching for the you know the sword and you know it's it was obviously you know kind of tailored towards a Teela story like just own it be honest like or just not say anything at all and let people like watch the show for themselves like I just think he made it so much worse it did not need to be this this whole drama thing um, and I think that that's that was it just made things so much worse.
3: I wonder no. if some of this, too, is uh, – with because I agree with all of that. I think Kevin Smith did not handle a lot of this well. I do wonder if um, some of – I'll explain, I'll explain what, why I'm thinking this. Wait a minute. But I, I wonder if some of this was a change in direction at the last minute a little bit. Because the thing is, is that the – I don't think we knew at least I wasn't aware of this getting broken into the two halves, uh, you know, part one, part two of season one or whatever, uh, until fairly, not that long ago, like maybe three or four months ago. I think the, the, I wonder if the uh, initial, um, plan was to drop all of the episodes and in that case we might be view we, we might have viewed the show completely differently like, yeah it starts out with with uh atila orc and then it goes into you know this other thing and we would have had a different perspective and i think there's a few other things that that uh, add a little bit of uh uh water to that theory like the fact that they definitely for the um revelation toys that are coming out right now right there is no tila action figure for for the debut the you know it's he mad and skeletor and skill of god and all of these characters that we barely even see in the first five episodes right like so i kind of hmm. wonder if uh if things changed if Net- netflix made a call that they wanted to break it up or because they also didn't do that with shira we got 13 episodes off the bat with the mm-hmm. Shiva show
0: well something to keep in mind i think the production on this show i believe was delayed significantly it was. during yeah. co- for covid so i think so that could have played into it too yeah i don't th- I- i'm i am assuming that uh, part two is not fully finished that's why they had to break it up
3: so okay so this is this is the thing right like whatever the reason whether it was netflix whether it was COVID, it was a combination of a bunch of things like it seems to me that th- it may have been We may retro in retrospect once we get to see part two. We may look back and say, you know, look at the Kevin Kevin Smith stuff and see it at least in a little bit different light. In the end, I don't know yet because we haven't seen part two. I don't. I still don't think he did the right thing, but it may not seem quite as egregious once we've seen the entire things. And and I think that might that that was seems to have been what the original plan was.
0: No, I agree with you. I think if we would see all 10 episodes at once, it, it probably would have done a better job at squashing uh the trolls. And I yeah. say trolls because I see people like attacking Kevin Smith, like the, you know, himself. They're attacking him on such a level that they they're not constructively criticizing the story that that he was you know, the head of they, they seem to attack. I don't know anything about Kevin Smith. I don't know if he has like trolls that follow him around. Um, Cause I, I, I don't really, I'm not familiar with his other projects. Um, but it just seems to me that like, they just really like attacking Kevin Smith uh, and, and they wrap it up with the story. It's as if he couldn't do any good anyway. Um, mm. and it's just not constructive to me to use things like this is a social justice warrior show. You know, this is, you Are know,
1: people literally saying that because I did not get yeah. that at all. Yeah.
0: Like that. This is woke, right? Because Tila's the lead it's woke. Well, first off, I don't understand why it's bad to be woke because a lot of yeah. people do need to wake up. <laughs> at, right? at, if there
3: if ever it, was anything yeah. that was that that could be described as that it was the filmation series guys exactly and that's like, kind of the on.
0: that was kind of the point i was driving to <laughs> is these people that are complaining he-man the original he-man and she-ra filmation cartoon was very woke for, for its it time right very progressive it, very progressive 1980s. it had pro-social messages it had the morals at the end like it was more than just a good versus evil and like we've talked about before i felt even even the filmation she-ra went even further than the he-man one with the messages uh uh well, that, yeah, but that even image,
3: right? even the even the he-man and the masters of the universe even that show for its day you know they talk about oh you know master of the universe was a boys club absolutely was on the in the toys no question but the the filmation show had more female, prominent female characters than any other boys cartoon in the 80s by a long shot. That's a great
1: point. I had never
0: thought about that, but you're totally right. Well, and, I, you know, I understand things like... I, I, I can understand a bit more the, the, for lack of a better term, hate that got thrown towards the Shira reboot, so princesses of power. Um, but with this, it's like... There is nothing out of the ordinary of Tila being a predominant part of the story. She even has episodes where she's not only in the title of the episode, but she is the predominant player yep. in the Filmation episodes. She is a, she's not the lead. Okay. Like I understand that the lead characters of Masters of the Universe are He-Man and Skeletor, but she is certainly a second tier um, core character yep. it, you know it's not like you elevated this and made it the spike or story right <laughs> it's like that wouldn't make Thank sense you, to me God but but the part that, that it's do. Tila, if they would have had some type of main sorceress story or evil lynn story these are all people that are legitimately core characters of masters of the universe yes mm-hmm. yes i mean yeah. and
4: i would also and, and...
0: oh
2: sorry oh go ahead go
4: ahead Oh okay um maybe they should have said you know this is only the first half you know watch wait until the story you know wraps up we've got another five episodes to go like maybe this the second half will focus on i don't know not teela maybe it'll be (laughs) like maybe it'll be like the the strato show which is what it really should be (laughs) um No, I I have to say I am a little bit salty about that, that there's, like, absolutely no Stratos. Um, It's possible he could show up in the second half. I don't have my hopes up. But, um, you know. But, yeah, I mean, there's more to come. That's the thing. And I just feel like a lot of this is people, like, wanting to find negativity with anything these days and, like, jumping on that bandwagon for some reason hmm Well,
0: and my thing is I you cannot like this show. That's totally fine. Like, yeah. I I don't like the narrative too that like if you don't like something, you're a hater, right? Yeah. But my whole thing is how do you dislike the show? Tell me why. Like, if you're gonna go around on the internet and moan and cry that Tila is the predominant part of this half of the story, why? Did you actually not enjoy the story that they crafted? Um, like, you you legitimately watched the five-episode arc and was like, no, I didn't like this. I'd love to know why, because it truly felt like a Masters of the Universe story to me, re- you know, regardless of the fact that He-Man is not present for the bulk of the five episodes. So I just, I, I, I don't like blind hate. I would just like to know what's your constructive criticism and to me you can't just say well it's another case of uh them bait and switching and creating a woke property because they replaced t man with tila that tells me nothing about the story you you, you're telling me you put tila in a predominant position but she's been in a predominant position before in masters universe stories so what do you not like about the story yeah you just simply don't like that that Tila is a lead for episodes like
3: two through four four yeah yeah (laughs) well and the other thing is like it's not even like having human and skeletor sidelined uh for a story uh is not it's unusual but it's not even completely unheard of in masters right like maybe not so much on the on the animated side but like one of the most highly regarded of the uh storybook things from back in the day is the castle gray school one which i i love i know you john are a big fan of that one too it Mm -hmm. was i played that record to death and read the book over and over and over again as a kid there is no he-man or skeletor in that book they get one mention each at the tail end and that is it the only character uh that we know represented in there is like the sorceress slash goddess type character that's mm-hmm. it Yep. that's the that is the predominant character of that story It's a short story and i get all of that but it's like we this is not even like do, do those same people that feel that way do they hate that storybook for that same reason because <laughs> whether it's well, three episodes or a six minute storybook like it's still the same thing, right? This is a, this is a story, and it doesn't have human Skeletor as the focus. So, do you have a problem with that? I, you know, well, you, you got to wonder.
0: The last point I'll make is, uh, I'll, I'm sure there are a lot of comic book stories, right, in the Batman uh, universe, where Batman is not the focal point of the story, but someone like Batgirl or Nightwing or Robin is the lead of the story arc. Right. And I often remember liking stuff like that because oftentimes Batman was always the lead and you didn't get the same amount of screen time for someone like Robin or Batgirl. Um, And I, I would enjoy it if like, you know, Robin and Batgirl teamed up and they had to go fix something because blah, blah, blah. So like, uh, this is not uncommon in properties, especially properties that have such a large cast, and Masters of the Universe certainly does. Even um, ones
3: that don't. The, Ma- the MacGyver series from back in the 80s that I loved so much, there was a, a, a couple of guys that he worked with that were kind of like, I don't know, investigator, sort of private eye type characters. They were brothers, the Colton brothers. There was a, an entire episode... And MacGyver's not even in, that they just did those two characters. So it's like, this isn't even nice. All like, well, right. And, and that,
0: a... that show's called MacGyver, right? Our show yeah. is, it's not called He-Man. It's called Masters of the Universe. <laughs> exactly.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I think, um, I think the people who have a problem with He-Man and Skeletor not being in the show or not being the focal point, I think that's a perfectly legitimate criticism to have. And it's fine to feel disappointed by that. Um, like, when they when Skeletor died at the end of the first episode, I was like, Oh, no. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, oh, does this mean we're not going to get any Skeletor for the rest of this season? And I was disappointed by this. Because um, Skeletor is my favorite character. Um, I, I don't care so much about him, <laughs> man but Skeletor is my favorite character. <laughs> no, but do you see...
0: But, but the thing I, is, like, you're justifying it for me, though. You know what I mean? I feel why you had that reaction more so than these people that just do
2: these blanket statements. Yeah, and I mean what I would say is like you said, um, it's fine to be disappointed by that, but Absolutely. What well, is your view of the rest of the series? <laughs> like Right, right. If that's one aspect of it that you don't particularly like, what do you think of the show in and of itself because that's the story it's telling?
0: Well, that's I that story I saw a just... comment, I saw a comment online of someone that said that King Grayskull is there was their new like they got obsessed with King Grayskull when Mike Young Productions came out and that new character and they just loved King Grayskull and they thought it was just so awesome, and that they are having a hard time with the way they changed King Grayskull in Revelation. And and to your point, like I can see your point with Skeletor, like that's a long standing character that you have an attachment to. But the like King Greyskull was in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> of Mike Young, and to use that as the—that's why I'm disappointed with Revelation. Like I—I I feel there's deeper rooted issues. So like, yes. I—I I, yeah. just—and I'm not like again. I don't. I'm not trying to say you can't dislike this because you absolutely have the right to dislike the show. Um, just like people had the right to dislike you, the Shira reboot. That—that's fine.
3: Adventures, me. Yeah, or right? new adven- like I'm—I'm I'm here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't like yeah. your adventures, but I don't. <laughs> I, it's fine. I guess I would
0: just like more more thoughtful or in-depth, I guess, comments. And I guess people don't owe me that, right? They don't owe anyone to say, this is why I didn't like it. I just didn't like it. But I just think, why, why be stress yourself out and like pour yourself into like the, the deep depths of the hate of the internet? I don't know.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah. have, a, have a civil discussion. Like in all of our years, we have done this. Like I, <laughs> I have unashamedly said that New Adventures is my favorite cartoon. Of, mm-hmm. of he-man and at no point has josh ever said to me shut yeah. up you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> you are completely wrong here is a list of reasons why um <laughs> we have never had that discussion um it's something he does not like but i do um and you don't have to be an ass about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah like exactly. all these people are
1: it's called respect
3: yes exactly
2: a
1: little bit exactly. of that for your fellow fan
0: well talking about respect how about the fact that i loved that they had alan oppenheimer um do awesome. Mossman's voice. I thought it fit Mossman. Oh, I understand so that they killed Mossman. And, and please, I hope nobody takes that as, oh, the new Skeletor killed off the old Skeletor. Like, I don't, don't read between the lines on that. It's a wonderful plot point because Mossman comes back later in yeah. the five episode arc. <laughs> and I know we're not supposed to time jump here, but I just want to say I loved the way they used Alan Oppenheimer because Alan Oppenheimer ends up giving advice to prince adam later on in the episode arc and to me that was such a nostalgic uh kiss on the cheek if you will because it kind of even reminded me of man at arms giving yes advice yes. to adam or he-man in the filmation cartoon um so i just thought that was beautifully done and kudos for them uh, getting Alan Oppenheimer uh, to to do a little bit here uh, in yep. the episodes.
4: I was so worried because you know you hear his voice and it's like oh that's this is so cool and then he gets he just dies like after like two seconds. Yeah. Um, and I was like, are they really gonna do that to Alan Oppenheimer? But then he comes back at the end, and I was I thought that was great. So yeah. I, it, again, <laughs> it's it's a thing of of watching everything mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know seeing what happens because things aren't always as they seem. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. So,
1: uh, IMDb it says he's going to be in like five episodes total. So I think we're we haven't seen the last of him yet. Um, but I didn't even think about. That being kind of Skeletor giving advice to Adam. That's amazing. That didn't even cross my mind. Um, because every time I heard him, I heard Falcor, <laughs> which is not <laughs> a bad thing because I love Falcor. Um, but yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of Falcor in that Moss Man, and I was here for it. Well, oh, there it
0: was, was nice. also a lot of uh, Primeval from Filmation's Ghostbusters because he's in that voice too. And I was like, it was weird because I'm like, Moss Man is a good guy. <laughs> and, and at times he started sounding like Primeval to me, but um no one else will get that reference because people are like, "What's filmation Ghostbusters?"
1: <laughs> John, you're I'm, the I'll only I'll... person who cares about that show.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I want to throw uh, one other uh, thing out real quick here too that occurred to me uh, as we're having this part of the conversation because we've kind of veered back into uh, voice acting again a little bit and the voice actors involved in the show. Something that just occurred to me, too, we were talking about the second half, uh, maybe focusing a little bit more on He-Man and Skeletor and so on and so forth. Who are the biggest voice actors we've got in this show, like recognizable name-wise, right? Mark Hamill? Sarah Michelle Gettler? I would argue those are the two most recognizable stars of this series.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: I think uh, Lena Headey, pretty well known these days as well.
2: Who? um <laughs> <laughs> there we go <laughs> no but i i
0: kind of agree with josh like household name wise yeah. my mom would know who sarah michelle geller is and who mark hamill is i don't think she would know who lena heady
2: is interesting my mom does know who lena Headey is and before this show
3: she was well, like, I like, like, I like a, lena a game of, a of thrones fan maybe then. but yeah like i yeah, had that no was... idea <laughs> and i did watch game of
1: well, is thrones she,
3: a little so is she
1: legit british
3: Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Was she in other British things before Game of Thrones, Martin? Um,
2: I don't think so. I think she mostly came to. She. I mean, she'd obviously done some stuff, but I think
4: she'd done uh, some stuff because Rod knew who she was. hmm. Okay. Before Game of Thrones, so yeah.
3: My 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 point was I think as far as like household names go, I think Sarah Michelle geller and Mark Hamill are kind of the two big ones. We we've got other, you know, people that you may or may not be aware of. There are various things, but like there is probably no almost no one on the face of the planet that doesn't know who Mark Hamill is at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Like so these are the two big names. And uh the- we certainly did not get um whole lot of uh, He-Man in these five episodes. And yet Chris Wood doing He-Man has top billing for this show in the credits. Hmm. That to me says we're going to see a hell of a lot more of He-Man in the second half. I think that would make sense because it doesn't make sense otherwise to give him top billing no matter how you look at it, right? Like, Like the one I always go back to, right, is... Uh, when I ta- when I think about these things, is the movie Interview with the Vampire, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's one of the best adaptations of a book to film ever. And so Tom Cruise got top billing. He is not the lead of that movie. Brad Pitt is the lead of that movie. But when that movie came out, Brad Pitt was still a somewhat unknown actor. He was He was rising, but he was not Tom Cruise, right? But Tom mm-hmm. Cruise gets top billing because he's the draw. He gets first name on the credits because he's the big star right for something like this if they're they're trying to get attention or whatever it would have made sense to put like a mark helm hamel or a sarah michelle Geller, sarah michelle Geller, who is basically the lead character of these first five episodes in that top billing spot and they didn't do it they gave it to chris wood so i i am wondering if that is uh, a sign of what's to come in part two a little bit hmm just a thought
1: and by the way chris wood did an amazing job with the transformation like i'm always nervous when a new he-man has to say those lines and how they're going to deliver it because you know in 2000x like come on no
3: (laughs) (laughs) i actually Um, did not like his uh, first run at it the very beginning of the first episode the way he says by the power of Skull" does not work for me in that same
0: his but the later one is good why is it not is commanding? Good. Like, he's just like, by the power of Skull. Yeah, yeah, that part,
3: yeah, yeah. not
1: so much. But the I right. Have the Power, that's well, where he nails it.
3: That was good. And, but he did do a much better by the power of Grayskull later. Like, that was yeah. the second time that he says I it, I was it's fantastic. still not
0: impressed with the second round. Well, uh, <laughs> but I did like the I Have the Power. The I Have yes. the Power is really good. I guess I just expect a more like, by the power of Grayskull. Like,. Uh, I actually yeah, not like, like the next
3: one,
0: but yeah, <laughs> the I power mean, Power of Grey <laughs> Yeah, I think that I liked Cam Clark's "By the Power of Grey Skull" more better. than Chris Woods, but I like Chris Woods "I Have the Power" way more than Cam Clark's.
3: I, yeah. I, I don't like the question mark at the end of the New Adventures one, though. By the power, power of Eternia? Of Eternia? Yeah.
1: Like, That's the one that has the question mark. Is that what mark? I'm saying That's now? Really?
3: <laughs> well,
0: no, but it makes sense if you think about it, right? If you go back to the New Adventures, maybe the met, first time. Adam is so confused. He's like, now I have to say by the power of Eternia? Is that yeah. what ha-? Like, He's like, I don't know what's going on because, you know, where's the. By Gray episode Skull?
3: 65, <laughs> he should have gotten used to it. I don't know. But.
0: Well,. Swinging back to the episodes. Yes, yes. My favorite scene in the first episode was when the sorceress tries to stop time, when she freezes time. Yes. And I loved how she was like, Time is more powerful than magic. Like, I'm having a whole thing. And gosh darn it, what sells me on that Tila story is when the sorceress says, or Tila says something like or He-Man's like why are you doing this or something and and the sorceress is like to Tila because I wanted to see you one last time and yeah. sorcer and Tila's like why do you want to see me? Like, I'm so confused. And then when when He-Man was like, but wait, if I call upon the power in this form, and Tila's like, what are you talking about? What do you mean this form? I was like, oh, this is beautifully written. This is just beautifully written and mm-hmm. it, executed. It was, well done. Yep. it was so well done. So well done. Kudos. Because that is an episode that Kevin Smith actually wrote. Um, so I was just like, you know what, Kevin? I know the trolls hate you, but I'm giving you claps for that scene.
1: Yeah. And Battlecat transforming back to Cringer first, like, Teela notices that and then she sees He-Man go back to Adam and I'm mm-hmm.
3: like, ah,
1: ah, so good!
3: It's so good. I love the fact that our first, uh, like, right off the bat, like, first scene, basically, of it, it we see Cringer under the table. That was Yay! just like, that just took me back to filmation, like, and just-
1: ghost screwing up spells, yeah. so good, but okay cringer and i i'm mad about this because the voice actor was going to put the stutter in at least a little and kevin smith told him not to we find that out in the little documentary thing after episode five and i'm like hey i i would have appreciated a little bit of a stutter thank you very much um if the voice actor could have pulled it off and he was already planning to do that like, why take that away when it's something so reminiscent of the original show? And he didn't have to play it up as much as it was played up in the original show. It, but just here and there, it would have been nice.
3: I think Cringer is the biggest. Well, OK, aside from Merman, because Merman's like a super generic voice in this, yeah. so, set him aside outside of him cringer is probably the biggest departure voice-wise of yeah. the entire cast like it really isn't anything there but I, I, I love what he did with it it's fine like i don't dislike it um uh, but it's definitely the most different i think of uh, everyone and
0: well, but if you did watch the documentary i believe this is when they said that um that voice actor was told to th- they wanted cringer to now be speaking like from his soul. I forget how they described it, but I actually really liked Cringer's voice, especially when he graduated from being afraid when he had to protect the sorceress. Mm-hmm. And he and when he gave that whole speech on like, it doesn't matter if you serve Snake Mountain or Castle Grayskull, like we have to work together to get this done. Um, I was impressed that it was Cringer delivering that speech.
1: Yeah, like I loved the writing. Don't get me wrong. Like mm-hmm. what the what he says, I loved every line of it. I just wish somebody else had been saying it, I guess. And no, like no one to that actor. Um I think I just I expected a different voice.
0: Would you have been okay if he kind of like in the cause you know the first episode was definitely made to to amp up like the filmation feelings. Mm-hmm. Would you have maybe felt better if in that episode he did maybe and stutter a little bit more. Whereas then like after the whole, you know, death, you know, he sobers up if you will, and, yeah. and, and, and continues.
1: Yeah. I would have been better with it if that had happened. What, I think um,
0: the yeah, when,
1: when the, the
4: trailer came out, the second trailer, it's the story-based trailer. And you, you heard part of that speech from Cringer. Like I was so weirded out and didn't like it. I think that's the only thing I didn't like about that trailer. <laughs> Um, but because I was like, he sounds way too confident for me. Like, this is weird. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but having watched the actual episodes, like I did get my filmation cringer in like that first episode, the beginning of the first episode. And so I was like, oh, okay. So it makes sense in the context of, I felt in the context of the story that by that point, you know, he will have gotten more confident. You know, he's like, you know, he's getting down to business.
1: he just needed like an extra beat like show him shed a tear that adam's gone and then start talking to tila it was just immediately he's confident af up in tila's face remember who named me and all this and i'm like that's adorable i love all of this but wait like i needed something else to happen with him before he becomes this new personality um i think that's all it is for me
0: You mentioned dealing with the death, and that's my criticism, I think, of the entire show. My criticism is not the fact that Tila is the lead. It is the way Tila herself reacted after Adam's death. I I can justify um, King Randor's reaction a a little bit better. Um, He finds out his son, is dead um he finds out that a lot of people knew he was he-man including queen marlena which was a nice nod to filmation because it was implied in filmation that she actually knew the secret um and by the way like how much did they pay alicia silverstone to just deliver three lines because i'd love to know that paycheck
3: (laughs) she comes back later (laughs) i I
0: do too i do too i I love alicia silverstone um but uh back back to the point um Uh, You know, so the fact that Randor lashes out at Duncan, I mean, it is kind of treasonous to keep secrets from the king, things like that. Like, I can see the justified over-the-top reaction. Like, he probably could have just had man-at-arms executed and it would have made him feel better. Um, (laughs) However, this was the only aspect of Tila I didn't like because I felt like Adam's death was turned into... Me, me, me with with Tila, like Mm. you all knew Adam's secret. He knew Adam knows his secret. Nobody tells me the secret. I lay my my life down for you people. And you can't even tell me that Adam is he man. You all lie. I'm now going to give up my career. Right. As captain of the guard or now man at arms, I'm going to give up all my remaining friends And I'm going to completely disconnect myself from my only father figure, like my only family, which is my adopted father, Duncan. Mm -hmm. She throws all that away just because Adam never told her that he's He-Man. Like, I just I feel that needed to be fleshed out more because I wasn't. I can understand being upset, but wouldn't you be more upset that your best friend, and they clearly illustrated that Tila and Adam are best friends. I didn't get a romantic vibe. I got a best friend vibe from them. He's dead. And this is the way you're mourning it by throwing away your entire life as well?
4: Yeah, I I totally agree. That scene, that whole scene, because I disagree with the Randor thing. I think that that felt so out of character to me that he's like, I understand you're mad right Mm -hmm. but you're banishing man-at-arms who has done so much for you has been like a trusted friend and you're threatening to execute him if he comes back like i'm like where did that that was the first part in the in the whole first episode where i was like what like (laughs) this is this is wrong like this feels really weird And that that whole scene felt off. And then with Teela, I thought her reaction was just, it was just crazy to to find out later that she's totally disconnected from Duncan and she hasn't seen him. I mean, I don't know how long this time has passed, but, you know, she's just, I don't know. I didn't like the way that was handled. I know some people do, but that was the part that I felt was totally off in that first episode.
1: Yeah. Both parts with Randor, when he's first, you know, bashing Adam to his face and then throwing Duncan out. Like, me and Adam were both just like, douchebag. (laughs) Like, we had no love for Randor um, through either of those scenes. I agree. I was not thrilled with that character, the way he was portrayed. I was like, that's not the way he was in filmation at all. Um, It felt very foreign to me. And Tila we just didn't have enough time, I don't think. And I guess it's because it's an animated series. It's not like a novel where you have time to flesh out people going through the stages of grief. Um, so all we get is anger. We don't even see denial. We just go straight to anger and that's all we see. And then it's years later or however long. Yeah, um, it just felt really rushed. Yes, very rushed. I agree.
3: Yeah, I I think if, if they'd maybe had more time, it would have been... Uh, it would have been a little bit uh, better. I didn't read it uh, a couple of things. I didn't read it quite, quite the way uh, that you guys did, just in the fact that, um, I mean, to say, okay, well, this is not how Randor was in filmation, per se. Was like, well, okay, but in filmation, we never had a circumstance like this for the characters to deal with. It's a very shocking, traumatic uh, situation, and people do, in real life, tend to lash out in things that in moments like that. Maybe regret it later, but I didn't really read that. is completely um, off base. It is a little bit rushed, but I think that's just because it's an animated show yeah. that they've only got so much time um so maybe it was the
1: execution line and i think that's probably just because this is a more adult series that's why that was thrown in because in Filmation obviously they wouldn't have talked about executing people right um,
3: right but this is also geared toward the older audience and right it, to be more realistic and all that as well so i'm I'm willing to be a little bit more lenient with stuff like that
1: yeah I'm trying to keep my focus in oh yeah, this is the one for adults. okay, keep it keep that in mind, Katie <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, yeah and it, it, you definitely real are uh, understood too that they needed to hurry up and, not hurry up but the the main focus was to jump you know, however long that was between He-Man and um, Skeletor basically dying, for lack of a better term, yeah. um, uh, to the new the new portion of kind of like the new Eternia. Um, I I did like that we found out that Eternia, uh, the, the opening title sequence, which we didn't mention, I thought did a beautiful job of. Pumping up Masters of the Universe, the brand.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, I like the whole, like, you know, they kept the whole thing from, like, the the movie, you know, the, at the center of the universe, there's Eternia. Yeah, um, I, I liked,
4: loved that so much. Sorry. Right?
0: I liked that the power and magic created everything. So, like, that is why Eternia is the center of the universe. It also helped me, the way they explained... Eternia and the magic and the creation of the universe um, helped my uh, grieving process that She- you know, She-Ra and the Princess of Power canon is kind of ignored in, in this show. I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily, you know, negated, but it's definitely not mentioned, uh, etc. But if, when the magic blew up, right, I... Uh, I would assume that you can't contact Adora, right? You can't yeah. You can't open up a portal to go to Etheria. Maybe uh, Adora can't even turn into She-Ra anymore. So there's lots of things happening that, that don't necessarily need an explanation because the story itself lends to an explanation as to why She-Ra isn't brought in to save the day. Because to me, right, the more logical approach would be if He-Man dies, you're going to contact shira to -hmm. to to, to come to eternia right so but but i yeah yeah, exactly i don't think they can uh whether or not it was a right rights issue they the way the story is written i think that if asked they could easily explain why why shira is not in this so i'm just wanted to get that out of the out of the way um but when they got to the new like the new uh what I don't know what we call post- apocalyptic eternia. um, sure, <laughs> like that was interesting. um, i I liked the fact that Tila had kind of that mentor mentee situation with Andra. Um, mm-hmm. like, I felt like, since Tila is it was very much foreshadowed that it directly in these episodes that she's going to become the next sorceress and that she kind of knows deep down inside there's something different about her um and i i want to say i wonder if a lot of people that aren't familiar with the mythos was taking that that those type of foreshadowing elements that she's going to become the next he-man that's not what's going to happen i i do not feel that Tila is going to hold aloft a sword and say something and become a shira like character. I, I feel she will evolve into the sorceress and they're setting up Andra to become the next Tila. Ah. That was my ah. take. Like, mentor mentee, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that you have that progression uh, uh, that goes along. And uh, so I liked that aspect um, and I also thought uh, that they did a very good job of magic versus technology because Masters of the Universe and Princess of Power has always had the magic and technological elements and then you also had the Um, magic versus technology with Skeletor and Hordak. Um, So I loved that they had the techno cult with Triclops. Mm -hmm. Um, Although every time he screamed motherboard, (laughs) I don't know if any of you have watched Captain N Game Master or played Metroid, but the villain is called Mother Brain. And she's kind of like a techno e big brain thing. And every time he screamed motherboard, I pictured mother brain, and I heard her from Captain N. That just might be my problem.
1: Yeah, but I think that's just you.
0: At, <laughs> at, at the end of my summary here is, the only thing I didn't like about the technology aspect is that was a missed opportunity. There was one Horde reference in the entire show, I believe, which was a throwaway line that Andra made. Uh, about the Horde, so I think that it was Wait, a missed opportunity.
1: Did she, I miss that?
0: Yeah, she said something about Hero fighting alongside King Grayskull against the Horde invasion. Oh. Um, I missed that. Wow. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> yeah. was in Preternia, which we're not we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> the my point about the technology, and I'm sorry I kind of lumped Tila, Andra and technology together, because they do go to Snake Mountain to Um, infiltrate Triclops' cult. Um, I thought that was a missed opportunity for Horde references. Um, I thought they could have been using perhaps old Horde technologies that were maybe left from when they did invade Eternia. Um, mm. There could have been some maybe horde symbols on things, um, uh, things like that. Uh, I think would have benefited. It would have made that cult seem more natural to me Um than it did.
2: Then. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. The cult was like my least favorite story element. I don't. I can't <laughs> put my finger on exactly why. I think.
4: Yeah, I kind of feel the same way.
1: Yeah.
2: I. Yeah, I I don't know how to explain what my aversion to it was. I think maybe it was just, it was a bit too much like... Here, perhaps. <laughs> but it was just like it was just like a fundamentalist Christian cult. Yeah. Um, and I was like, would Triclops really have done this? Um I feel like he's he's not a crazy person. He would have embraced technology, certainly, and like absolutely in character for Triclops. Um, particularly like the um the Mike Young productions Triclops yeah, yeah. to fall back on his technology stuff and go, that's much better than magic. That was fine. But I think Pushing him towards deranged cult leader maybe did him a bit of a disservice.
3: And I don't know if Trapjaw would have been on board with this.
2: <laughs> Trapjaw was a reasonable man.
3: <laughs> so I, uh, episode two, which we're basically on now, that I thought this was actually the weakest of the five episodes. But that's mostly, although, okay, so two things. This, this episode has both extremes in it, a little bit for me. The snake mountain uh action sequence am i the only one that felt like that went on too long because like it just seemed like it was never going to end um it it was i I got
4: bored with
1: it to be honest
3: yeah too long
4: yeah
1: like i loved all of the puns um like as a technophile like the words they used and i'm gonna forget all of them right now of course do you moment. also
0: pray to the holy sprocket that's a line i feel that's going to go down in motu history uh, I, I i feel like the there'll be some t-shirts real. about like the holy sprocket
3: yes there you go. It's, that's like that sounds like a band that needs to be a band yeah. somewhere <laughs> holy sprocket um so there was that. Like the the action sequence was too long. And then uh but on the flip side, like the the uh kind of heart to heart thing between cringer and teela just that was uh that was pretty intense. hmm At my, the very end of the episode.
2: My absolute favorite part of this episode, this is a very minor, like um fan related thing but we're seeing the net from the Snake Mountain playset used um, just as like a trap as you yeah. get into Snake Mountain I was like that's the net <laughs> um, I loved that and I loved just Snake Mountain I think looked amazing I think this it is the did. best Snake Mountain has ever looked um,
0: they, they did an really excellent bad. job right of like meshing that filmation feel but it being more toy Snake Mountain Yeah, yeah. I that
1: was,
2: was awesome. thrilled with that well, my other favorite moment in this episode was blast attack um he doesn't get any alarm. yes he's only on screen for like 10 seconds deactivating his own self-destruct in a panic and going like Whew.
4: that was so that. good i laughed out loud that was really good Yep.
0: we we should mention too in, in this episode and i actually liked this so if you're going to ignore shira aspects I loved how they redid uh, the two halves of the power sword, if you will. Uh, I thought their explanation was uh, way better than just like what we had before. I loved how they were forged the different ways and how mm-hmm. they believed that, you know, the one half went to preternia, which is kind of like heaven. And then the other half went to Subturnia, which is basically like hell. Um, and I know this, I guess this concept has been used in other properties, but, and I saw reviewers mentioning that it's not technically heaven. It was like another name that another property uses where like the heroes go. Um, and I wasn't familiar with that term because as you guys know, but if it's not He-Man or she I probably didn't watch it. Uh, so
1: <laughs> like this- a Norse mythology thing. But oh, like he was trying to tell me about it.
0: Yeah. A lot of this is new to me. Like, mm-hmm. even though, like, I understand that like- a lot of fantasy, um, Horrors. properties. Yeah. They borrow and recycle. I mean, like again, I might've saw like a, a vampire thing for the first time on dark shadows. Right. And I had no idea that they borrowed it from Dracula. Cause I've never watched or read Dracula, nor do I care to. Uh, so <laughs> if it happened in he-man and I never heard of it, it happened in he-man and she refers sorry. That's the way. It <laughs> uh, so I liked, I loved that explanation, um, of the swords. Yeah. um, And it makes sense that, I mean, I don't know who else you would have leading. If you're going to have this plot line, who else would you have leading the quest for the sword? The only other person I think you would have is possibly Man at Arms. But if it's not Man at Arms, I think the next logical choice is Tila. Mm -hmm. Like, I I just, I just, so I don't have
3: a problem. um, And uh, you know, depending on you know how far down into the weeds you want to go uh with trying to make this mesh with the filmation uh with the shira side of filmation and all that like there are literally countless ways to make all of this still fit with uh, the existence of uh, of she the sword of protection and all of that. You can do like a multiverse thing where, you know, the sword of protection, sword of power are basically like the same sword, but how they exist in, diff- in different uh, mm-hmm. universes in the multiverse or whatever. Like you could do all kinds of things and make it, uh make it all fit together if you you know if you want to go that far down your rationalization I don't think the writers in this necessarily tried to go down that road and figure out how you know if there were ways to make it work but you I certainly just figure can't she already
1: has back. it she's already she at this point and she's off on Etheria so she's out of the picture and like y'all were right. saying earlier, they can't contact her. That's the way I was taking it.
3: Yeah, well, I was just meaning, I was thinking more about the existence of the sword and how it was forged and the two halves. And okay, well, what does that mean for the sword of protection then? How did that oh. come into being? Right. right. Like-
0: I, I just, for me, it was they didn't need to explain the existence of the sword of protection, right? Because there was no way to obtain. The sort of protect uh, protection like katie's saying yeah. like you can't we can't contact she-ra so i forgive them right. because i don't think they my point of bringing that up earlier was i didn't feel that they they erased the existence of she-ra like nothing they did in this to me says that Shira doesn't exist right and right. even that, the
3: stuff that, that yeah. you could maybe argue does you can rationalize is right yeah, exactly yes. For for me,
0: the next episode was the one that I was, I think, bored with. So you guys, I feel, were a little bit more bored during the cult episode. Um, for me, it was this next episode because this is we, we go into them having to find man at arms. I you did think traitorous <laughs> trout. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean I I feel the Orko scenes I liked. I I felt for Orko, mm-hmm. um, in those like he was kind of dying. And um, because he is a, a being of, you know, magic and all of that fun stuff. Um, so I like that. But, like, the whole, like, let's get Man-at-Arms on board slash not to the Merman appearance, like, it just didn't... That that was kind of my lull. Like, you kind of had that arc, arcing up to the middle. And then it was kind of like, eh. And then it picked back up for me on four and five.
3: Yeah, I don't know. This, this episode was more i was more engaged in this episode than episode two episode two was not bad it just the mostly had action sequence just like really slowed it down and mm-hmm. i sort of disengaged briefly um for a large chunk of episode two but episode three was more just kind of on an even keel the orco stuff was the highlight of this episode for sure um, i
1: working with Eva Lynn. I think that whole adventure you know the fellowship has come together now or they're going to get duncan so it's it's growing still but the beginnings of it have formed um and seeing more of her and their interaction was was really cool in that episode too
3: and they're reminiscing about previous battles with the human and skeletor and all that stuff at the very very beginning right and all Mm -hmm. that it was good but um
0: well it, it leads up to one of the best episodes I feel out of the five of it, you know, not counting like the first episode I felt was like super good because it, it brought the nostalgia. Um, But of the, of the new Eternia episodes, I really felt that uh, episode four was extremely strong. Um, I loved the way they handled subternia. Um, uh, Scareglow was beautifully written and executed. Like Leanne mentioned earlier, the voice actor who I was not familiar with, blew it out of the park I feel with Scareglow and I loved in this episode that not only did they properly foreshadow Tila I I did not like when the one half of the power sword appeared to her and it looked as if she was going to hold it aloft and say something like that made me extremely nervous on (laughs) the first viewing. And I was like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, but then I'm like, no, they are totally foreshadowing that she has magic inside her and that she is going to be the next sorceress as she was always meant to be. Uh, so I accepted that. Um, and this also leads into the scenes, um, well, I guess this, these the scenes are in episode five, but at the end of episode four, Evelyn opens up the gate to Preternia and, you know, we find out Prince Adam is alive. Preternia is heaven. That is what I feel should have been the B story that I mentioned earlier in the episode. I think given the Tila heaviness of story A... Which, to be honest, I don't know if they even realized that this would become such a big, you know, social media internet issue, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, objectively looking at a property where you know the main characters are He-Man and She-Ra, or not, excuse me, He-Man and Skeletor for Masters of the Universe, maybe, just maybe, you would want to have a B story, Um, I think they wanted that reveal that Prince Adam was still alive, like they wanted that to be a big reveal. And that's why they maybe didn't do a B story. But I would have appreciated a B story that followed Prince Adam on Paternia, where we find out why... He decided one of the most beautiful things of, and I think I'm I'm molding episode four and five together. So yes, after you are, I, you're
1: skipping sorry. my big grape. <laughs>
0: after I do my piece, I will shut up and you guys take over. So, <laughs> so, so I'm melding them together because this was really what I loved was the message that was sent when that you find out Adam on Preternia, every other hero of Eternia's past so hero king greyskull even like the former sorceress and i loved that it was her and not Vena from mike young Productions. so kudos writers on that. is
3: there as well yeah
0: vikor's there one dar was there he was not name checked thank goodness i don't think yeah. but he was there um all of them chose their he-man form basically to be mm-hmm. in heaven right but adam did not choose to be he-man he chose to be adam on Preternia. So Adam basically chose to be himself, right? He did not choose to be the facade, which is He-Man, right? Because at the core, Adam is Adam, Adora is Adora. They are not He-Man and She-Ra. Those are kind of like the facades. Um, So... I loved, I thought that was such a good message to send. And I know this isn't the children's show, it's for adults, but I think it, even some adults can still learn a lesson or two uh, in life, given their reactions to this show. Um, <laughs> but uh, I thought that was such a good message, and I would love to see that explored. Um, given that Katie mentioned that Alan Oppenheimer is listed, perhaps in more than just two episodes, that tells me that maybe we will get some back role story of the Paternia stuff because I would really like that expanded um, and perhaps even things that Prince Adam learned from the former heroes. Um, So I thought that was a missed opportunity. They could have had a B story uh, at least during like episodes kind of like three, four um, that probably would have helped balance out the fact that Tila's the A story. Um, And I think that might have just helped. And I'm not saying you should placate the trolls or whatever do this just to do it, I actually think it would have been very fascinating to spend more time on Praterna.
3: And it now, we, really joking. there is really no B story in these five. There isn't. Episodes. That's
0: my no. thing. It's really it's yeah. really one continuous like linear story. Besides the pack they go they do some flashbacks, right, of earlier Tila mm-hmm. and He Man adventures. Um but it is a very linear story. There's it's not really going back and forth with anything.
3: Yeah. Orco and- better not actually be dead
0: i don't think he's dead either i don't
3: think I, so I don't really. think he's dead but he better not be <laughs> yeah i agree i would i would be fine if he was because i thought
2: his I- death was executed uh, perfectly it was I my- you're gonna <laughs> hate on it
1: okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. you're like i hate orko i'm glad he's dead <laughs>
2: <laughs> no not at all I, i've always liked Orco. um Like from a design standpoint and from a character standpoint, I think he brings a lot to the series. And just the concept of having your team wizard is like not very good. I think it's just a fun concept for a character. Um, And I love what they did with that whole um, piece of his characterization throughout this. I think this is the best Orko has ever been in anything.
1: (laughs) I would agree with that. that brings up my gripe from episode four in subternia is that what it's called Isn't yes right? okay so teal is off doing her thing and then the other two groups are facing their worst fears or whatever and supposedly Orko's on Tralla. which way are the rainbows going they're going down they're not supposed to go down they're supposed to be upside down we know this from the original series. What the impact? <laughs> what were they thinking? Why? Like, there's rainbows everywhere. That's wonderful, but they should be turned the other direction. We know this from the <laughs> filmation that this is based on. And he's got this whole backstory of being named Oracle because he was supposed to be this great wizard and then he turned out to be a one. Excuse me? Andromeda? <laughs> he's like the he's like the head honcho wizard like when he goes back there everybody's like oh my god it's orko he's the greatest wizard of all time and he's like oh i'm so sad because i'm such a disappointment to my family excuse me what the actual were they thinking when they wrote this piece that's my in- Like, the whole rest of this series, I'm loving so much, but that part, I legitimately was, like, shaking with anger. I was just like, the rainbows are wrong, and his story is wrong, and I know this for a fact, and I haven't even seen that episode in I don't know how many years, but I know it because I remember it because I love Orko, and
0: how right. dare they? Well, it's gonna tr- it's a spiritual sequel. I
3: think they took some <laughs>
0: well, li- liberties. So- <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm okay so I'm gonna tell you what I did because I I feel your pain um the upside down thing I can't help you with because I don't I don't know what they were thinking on that even in Mike Young productions they talk about how Troll is the uh, is upside down so to us yeah. so I don't even know uh, where to go with that so just set that uh, aside for a second the way that I read this because it, unless I know I only watched this episode once so far so maybe I maybe I'm missing something maybe I forgot something I don't know but at least as I was watching it the first time the way that I tried to rationalize this it st- still shouldn't have been done but the way I tried to rationalize this, make myself feel a little bit better is maybe when he's talking about that it sounds like uh he's talking about because he was Orko, like, they, they called him Orko the Great, right? In the original show. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how he was, de- he was supposed to be destined for greatness and blah, blah, blah. He says all of that. He uses uses the word great. And then he talks about his spells going awry and being a disaster and blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, is, like, maybe that actually was true for him when he was young. Like, when he was growing up, maybe he really did have issues with his magic doesn't necessarily mean that as a fully grown trollin or whatever that he uh did not eventually gain control of his magic and become the the great orko as a an adult trollin, and that his magic continued to go awry when he went to Eternia which is how they explained it in Filmation and Mike Young so you can kind of rationalize that part of it away the upside down stuff i know there is no way to rationalize that i obviously screwed that up but
0: well uh, i kind of felt that the fears for evelyn orko um andra and roboto um I-, I thought they were all just, they weren't handled well. I its i thought the Tila one was, w- yeah. with Scareglow. Like, I don't think, I think the other ones was just, like, Scareglow, like, okay, bye-bye, we don't need, my focus is on Tila. And I think that's where the, the problem lies with this, is the fears of the other companions didn't make sense to me at all, regardless of Trala not being... Um, upside down. I-, I didn't even think of that fact, though, Katie, yeah. that you are totally right. When he's back on Trolla, his magic works fine. So why would his fear be returning to uh, okay, Well, so...
3: Maybe, maybe, read between the lines. Maybe the fear was that Trolla would become like Eternia and flip the right way around and his magic would stop working. Maybe that's... No, to... no maybe. he was talking I about his freaking childhood
4: and his name, origin. Yeah, okay, oh, so... so... Yeah, I had a problem with that too, and part of that is because I saw, I don't know if I read it in in an interview or saw the interview whatever, but Kevin Smith talked about how everybody hated Orko, and they were trying to make these fans like Orko, and so I think they threw all that stuff in there to make people feel sorry for Orko, so that when he makes a sacrifice, it is more emotional or whatever. I thought that was so sad because I always loved Orko. Me and too. I thought he was a great character. And to make a blake kind of sta- statement like that saying, Oh, everybody hated Orko and so we were trying to figure out a way to like make you really like him. And it's like I don't know. I just feel like that's like somebody who doesn't understand the character. Yeah. I mean obviously I mean,
0: Would you agree you know. that like the way Orco is handled in filmation is nothing like how like Snarf is 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 in ThunderCats. I think Snarf can justifiably be called like annoying. But yes, Orco Orko- Orco actually has story beats, story plots, at origin. Like he actually does things in the episodes that well, often and matter.
3: And it's not just that. It's the portrayal, right? I actually think they did portray Orko very well in this show outside of this moment, right? Like yeah, I agree. Orko was done really, really well in a lot of ways. The thing about Orko is um and I, I've, I've had this debate with uh, my friend eric many times because he's a he's a casual masters fan and he is one of those he hates orko he did, cannot stand Orco. he wish orko was not in the original show he's one of those guys right and uh but my my thing is i think that is more being colored and we've i've had this discussion with him several times i think that's more being colored by characters like snarf characters like slimer characters like this these, the the bumbling comedic relief in some of the other cartoons of that era where there's this fine fine line this is one of the one of the things that um I don't don't think they got quite right in the Mike Young uh, portrayal of Orco either there's this really super fine line between childlike and childish and mm-hmm. in filmation they nailed the childlike thing without making him childish um unlike i would argue snarf or Slamer or some other like characters like that of that era and they they do an okay job in mike young but they don't quite get it i think they mostly got that right in this one so
1: yeah and i do like your rationalization i'll i'll at least let that simmer in my head and, and think about it a little more and rewatch that because I haven't rewatched it either yet. You were uh, quite upset. <laughs> yes, I was and still am about the rainbows. I'm I'm not gonna let the rainbows go, just <laughs> FYI. So they better fix that ish later on. Um but I'll at least think about the childhood versus adult porco thing. Maybe that maybe
0: we'll see. Um well back to a positive. Um I, this was the first time we have had, we had Scareglow in animated form and, um, I was so impressed. Um, like it, it's hard with a, I feel it's hard with the character Scareglow because you already have a main character, Skeletor, who is a walking skeleton. Um, but I thought they gave such Uh, uh, a nice take on the character of Scareglow that I, I wasn't sitting there thinking, where is Skeletor? I was very focused on Scareglow. I even loved when Tila accidentally calls him Skeletor and Scareglow was, he said something like, "Mm, no, but I've heard the name before. Like, or I remember the name, like something like that. I Mm. I thought was such, it was a very well-written scene. Um, uh overall with with him
2: he looked so good he was like the best for me the best animated character in the whole series um the way they got the glowing down
4: yeah the how the glow would come and go you know it was it was so, so great
2: we were we discussed this briefly yesterday um because John pointed it out and then I couldn't unsee it. Um, (laughs) But some of his facial expressions really looks like New Adventures skeletons. Um, Yes. So I I think they made him distinct enough from the skeleton in this show. Um, Mm -hmm. And in doing so, they made him look quite a bit like new adventures skeletor like the way his jaw sort of moved and his face and his eyes um and every time he would like lean in close to teela i was like oh that's what skeletor used to do to flog <laughs> um, <laughs> like his expressions really matched new adventure skeletor and i really enjoyed that it's probably unintentional completely but i thought that was um D- just the way isn't that
0: lovely though satisfying when they do like a homage that they're not even aware of that they're doing and it just kind of works and like fans pick up on it even though they're like oh okay we'll go with it
1: (laughs) who knows maybe it was on purpose
2: never know i mean also while i'm on the subject of new adventures yeah scarecrow is great in this um mark hamill's skeletor i think also like his voice dipped into new adventure skeletor quite a lot i thought Mm. (laughs) particularly when he was doing like the sort of smoother sounding voice like when he says so glad you could join us my dear like i thought that was that really made me think of um campbell lane in the new adventures
0: yeah i thought i thought mark hamill did a very good job of not doing i didn't want an alan oppenheimer impersonation per se um and i I understand that anytime Mark Hamill does a villain, you're going to compare him to the Joker. Um, But I thought that he did enough uh, stylization to the what you would call, quote unquote, the Joker voice um, Mm -hmm. that I felt Skeletor. I did not picture Batman, the animated series when he was speaking at all.
3: No, I think he did a great job of pulling from both uh what you know what's come before right like I heard a little bit of of the filmation Skeletor in there I can hear the inspiration from some of the Mike Young Skeletor in there and he made it his own as well and it it works it 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 evokes mm, the nostalgia for the original incarnations of that character in various things and but is very clearly he's made it his own as well so I think he walks that line remarkably well
0: well the final episode uh again I really like this one we saw more of praternia um, Adam decides that he is and again this is why I would love a B story of a fleshed out Adam because and I hopefully we get more of this in in part two um Adam it, portrayal in this what i love is in filmation he was always aloof right and Mm -hmm. in mike young he was like a surfer boy teenager kind of persona um in this one you know you get that backstory of you know he's aloof and stuff right because he had to be he had to keep the secret but as as it progresses here you find out all these wonderful things like he's obviously a good friend to tila um he trusted tila you know, with with basically defending Eternia once he made his decision to give up the power, if you will, um, he chooses to be himself in heaven, and then he even chooses to sacrifice heaven to come back. Uh, you know, to wield the power again to protect. Eternia and I just thought these were wonderful character traits I I, I just thought they fleshed out Adam with the little t- screen time he did have very very well and I'd like to see uh, more of that which is why I was absolutely shocked at the cliffhanger not the Skelegod cliffhanger I I saw that coming a mile away when the figure was released before the show even came out I was like there's your cliffhanger, oh. Skeletor. I mean, like, when when else? Yeah, when else would you put that in? I was like, okay, obviously, probably at the end of episode five. Skeletor. I I didn't un, I didn't know maybe how it would get there, but I'm like, Skeletor will somehow get the power and become Skeletor. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it would happen like early on in the episodes, but um, I did not expect, and I actually had like, if you had a video camera on me, a facial expression, an audible gasp when Skeletor stabs Prince Adam. Um, I did not expect that, so kudos to the writers. Yes, I was a little jarred that Kevin Smith in the after show was like, that's right, we didn't just kill him once, we killed him possibly twice. Yeah. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, buddy, calm down, because I understand why a few reviews kind of called the cliffhanger kind of poking the bear, (laughs) because... If you go by the social media uproar with the Tila stuff, and then you happen to, in theory, kill He-Man twice. Um, It's just like, uh, now granted, I don't think that Prince Adam is dead at all. And he is still moving at the end of the episode. Um, I was completely shocked that that happened. Um, though I-, I thought it was beautifully executed that it actually happened, like, During the transformation sequence.
1: Yes, that was, whoa. Um, Yeah, like I said at the very beginning, that was, (laughs) they're like, whoa. Um, I wanna, I gotta do that again whoa there we go gotta get the joey whoa in there. is that you know i was
0: binging blossom the other day on, Were you really? on the app yeah and i was like this show is a lot dirtier than i remember as a child
1: oh dang i gotta rewatch it now <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious
0: side note continue goes go. side note
1: um but no i completely agree with you i love adam in this incarnation in every way i i I, yeah, wish we got a little more screen time with him, but I think we will in future episodes. So I'm not gonna be mad at that yet. Um, yeah, I disagree with everything you just said. yeah, I think um
4: Adam was really great in this, and it it made me want to see more of him. So I really hope that we do get a lot more in this the back half. Um, also, I have to say, and this is partially based on the the comic, uh, the tie-in comic. I think only one issue's come out so far. But this series is making me like King Grayskull, you guys. And I never thought I would ever say that. <laughs> ever. And it- because my hatred of King Grayskull is well-known. And this portrayal of him, I feel like they're moving the character in a direction that is not a Mary Sue character, because... Because I know some of the backstory of why King Grayskull was created in the first place. That's part of the reason I do not like King Grayskull. And I feel that this is making King Grayskull his own character. Um, especially in the comic where they explain his backstory and how the two um, you know, swords were created and things like that.
0: Yeah, anyone and that dislikes... This incarnation of King Grayskull and I, and you know, without saying it we know why a lot of people just automatically are disliking this King Grayskull. If you do pick up that DC comic and and you know me, me sitting through reading a comic that is a chore Um, (sighs) but I read it twice and I'm glad I did because the second time around and Josh knows this, I like completely missed details the first time I like skimmed through it the backstory for King Grayskull that they have crafted for this for this world, because remember, this world is not connected to the Mike Young production show. This is a spiritual sequel to the 80s. And King Grayskull did not exist in the 80s. So you should have no problem with them rethreading his story. And I think that, that what they did is way better than the one episode you know we got of him in Mike Young where he's basically just a He-Man ripoff.
3: yeah i never hated king gray skull and i but this is unquestionably better like there's just there they've this is this is infinitely better and that comic is also i think one of one of if not the best masters comic we've gotten in the last like 10 years
1: well clearly i need to read another comic mm, i yeah, was it's avoiding really, really good all the He-Man comics for the last I don't know how many years because there's been two doggone many of them and I couldn't keep them straight and I was just like I give up I give up yes, I'm just not this even this one gonna is,
4: yeah this one is good and even okay. the comics portrayal of like Randor and Marlena was great. Okay. I mean it was just like it, yeah it's
1: really good.
3: I will check that out for sure. So um I like so same thing with you guys. Adam's been done phenomenally well in uh in this episode in particular and in the series so far with little we we have gotten of him he does feel a lot like in his characterization he feels a lot like filmation adam to me like i i really get that uh that vibe from him and him and uh his and tila's relationship and the, the, just all of it mm-hmm. um so uh like john was saying i think uh I did not expect the the ending ending cliffhanger where Skeletor stabs him. I I have been swerving back and forth on how I feel about this since I watched it, um, because on the one hand, like I, I keep harping on about this, I've done it probably way too much in our uh, group chat that the five of us have. Uh, but I'm gonna say it here for like the record. Like a lot of how I end up feeling is gonna really hinge on what they do in part two. And if they, if they can pay off uh, what they did at the end of this with the, this cliffhanger, that'll be, that'll be great. I think the the biggest issue I had with this um, outside of. Like kind of what i was saying poking the bear and whatever like they're like asking for hate mail from the fans or whatever especially uh, for those that maybe assume that he's dead which i don't definitely don't think he is and i think we're going to see a lot more of adam and human in part two but all that aside um the it did feel a little bit uh a little bit cheap or a little bit easy to just like Ah, we killed a man in the first episode let's just do that again <laughs> like <laughs> like, really we we already did that we already had dealt with the the emotions that in, in, invoked and and so on and so forth Well, why are we just like hitting skip back and doing it again like I, I granted it was done in a different way and it did have you know the the shock value I just I hope that where wherever they go from here makes it worth the feeling the we just did this moment.
0: Yeah,
4: I totally agree. Okay. Um, no, I, I totally agree with everything you said, Josh. Um, it really, that's why I really need to see the last half of the story to to figure out how I feel about all this. Like I, I want to see what the payoffs going to be. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Well, Josh mentioned cheap with like the killing of He-Man again, for me, the, the cheap part was actually Skele God. Um, I want to know, and maybe they'll explain this. Why was Skeletor able to invoke the power with the sort of power? I, I think of, of that more like how they handled it in Shira and the Princesses of Power, right? The sword only worked for Adora for a reason, right? Glimmer says, you know, for the honor of Grayskull in the you know the second episode, and she does not transform into a Shira type being, right? So we found out a nice kind of backstory on how the sword of protection worked and how it was like tethered to Adora because she was a first one all that fun stuff so it makes me wonder do they go a similar route in part two uh whereas we might get that backstory that Skeletor is Keldor Randor's brother because then the bloodline it makes sense to me right but if the opening title sequence talks about you know Skeletor being a demon and all of that so I'm kind of thrown off because I just don't on face value, I don't accept the fact that it's just as, as simple as overhearing Prince Adam say, by the power of Greyskull, which is what Skeletor did while he was hiding in Eva Lynn's wand. wand. Um, you know, he comes out, he kills, for lack of a better term, Prince Adam, and then picks up the sword and says, by the power of Greyskull, and he turns into Skelly God. I just don't buy it. I don't buy that it's that easy to obtain...
3: No, i think this has to hinge on him being kel you know the 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 keldor story mm-hmm. and i think it has to I, I i think that we're going to totally delve into that to some degree in the second half even even if it's just explaining it because uh because for the, every basically everything has um in masters whether it was the mini comics the Mike Young show the uh, many many DC comics right like Keldor is a pretty well established thing all the way up to we just got a you know two pack with Keldor in it at mass retail now right it is now it went from being this obscure reference in one panel of one mini comic (laughs) whatever you know like Thirty-five years ago, too. We, you know, Keldor is pretty well established, and now I think they have to go that way. I don't think it's just anybody picks up the sword and uh, and gains the power. And I think I think that will have to be borne out in in part two. It'll have to. The reason I for so. that I
2: think that um, they'll go for the Keldor thing is that they're very strongly playing up the fact that Evelyn is potentially in love with Skeletor or has been at some point in the past. Yes, like they She
4: makes some references to that.
2: Yeah. Um, like she, she's genuinely sad when she thinks that he dies and then she references his later on. as like carrying a torch. Like I'm not the only one carrying the torch. Am I Tina? Yeah.
0: Um, I love that. Can I ask, I want to ask a question in that. I don't remember if it was the first episode or the, it's whenever Skeletor is talking to Andra. He says some sort of line about like how like this, you know, his skull situation or whatever is like. It was something about like oh, yeah. how how you know no one has experienced him as a man or something
4: anymore, <laughs> or no one and- would accept him. A, as I, a man or something well, like that well i, I read it as it's a very would
0: have me yes have yes. Me. yes it was i was like is this like am i i mean i'm an adult right i'm reading this as like a sexual reference. Yeah, <laughs> and i was i was just like did they just go there <laughs> 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 oh, i took so, it too so i don't know <laughs> i mean that was kind of one of my also that was just a shock for me i was just like that was one of those points where i re- rewound and i was like i need to listen to
3: this again but um i just uh circle back around for a second because i, I got i got derailed and, and lost track of where i was going i uh, wanted to also uh pull into that part of the discussion that uh you were talking about the, the opening sequence saying oh skeletor is a demon so two things one uh is that uh uh the filmation series episode one when they're introducing skeletor uh, sorceress calls him a demon from another dimension or maybe that's in the uh, is that in the greatest adventures i can't remember now it's it they all the run together but yeah. okay but either way the filmation also referred to skeletor as a demon from another dimension blah blah, blah. so you can you, they could be just picking up from that i believe If I am remembering right, uh, I'm not saying this is the greatest canon that that we should all be pulling from or anything like that. I'm just pointing out that, as I recall, in the classics bio canon, I believe they uh, bring all of this together where like when Keldor was injured and Hordak brings him back that he was fused with uh that demon oh, demon Demo man. man yeah demon yeah. man or whatever right um that was a demon so it could be that you know the demon's been put inside keldor or whatever so there's there's a lot of ways for that to be like i i don't think that means anything here or there right i yet yeah,
0: looking at it I, yeah you're this is completely valid what you're saying makes way more sense i think i was just reading the line too literally in, in right. a sequence yeah
3: right and as as far as the the kildur thing being a part of this i feel i really feel like they're setting this up so in the prequel comic for revelation uh we get to see a lot of uh king Grayskull and his sons i guess right Mm like uh roe and uh Dare. dare and they are one is black and one is white and um I feel like this could that could be a perfect foreshadowing for what the deal was supposed to be with Randor and Keldor, where they were brothers. One was part Gar, uh, you know, where mm-hmm. one was colored like like the Gar characters with the blue skin, and Randor obviously wasn't. And you know, uh, the Gar were. I don't. I can't remember if this was my head or if this was alluded to in Mike Young. It, it's all run is blurring together right now. But I always thought like, oh, the Gar were kind of mistreated or whatever uh, on Eternia or looked down on in some form or fashion. Or maybe that was in a comic. I can't remember now. It doesn't matter. But the point being is, that if they wanted to go that route, th- that that seems to be foreshadowed in the comic, and that would be a nice tie-in for the Keldor Randor relationship as well. Like why Randor becomes king and Keldor goes off to do his thing.
4: Do you think if they do decide to go that route in the second half, they will have Mark Hamill say, Adam, I am your own. I would I would lose that. That would be so funny. That would be amazing. I want this so hard now.
0: I feel like like Mark Hamill is such a sport now with Star Wars. Like, oh he
4: would totally do it.
0: Like I feel like like most people, like like a like a like a even like a a person that played a Power Ranger, right? They they get disgusted with the fact that they're always identified with that and they can't like kind of move on from it. But then as they get older, they're like, I should really embrace this because so many people love this character and (laughs) I was the character. And I feel like Mark Hamill is totally in that place of his life.
4: Oh yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: For sure.
1: Had um, a question. One thing
4: I wanted to oh, oh. continue. Okay, please. real quick. One thing I wanted to say um about the end scene. I wish that Evil Lynn knew that Skeletor was in the staff. Like she was playing them the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was on little
1: screen on that.
4: Yeah, and I think that because she seems surprised, like genuinely surprised, you know yeah and and the Skeletor's reaction too was like oh i'm sorry for i didn't tell you or you know whatever but um i i know martin had said i think in our chats that he was hoping or he's one of his predictions of evil and was like evil the whole time and i was hoping for that because i thought that would have been really cool but yeah
2: mm-hmm. I liked how Beastman wasn't that enthusiastic that Skeletor was back. He wasn't. No, he, he was, was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> good I didn't catch that. Good
1: to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> he was so protective of Evil Lynn. It was adorable.
2: Yeah. That, that's a departure from their usual, very adversarial relationship.
1: Yeah. I thought it was really cool. And I have a, a question for you specifically, Martin, and for everybody, but specifically <laughs> you, because you were making the... Uh, comparison between Scareglow and New Adventures Skeletor so when Skeletor turns into God Skeletor and you see his big old head over Castle Skull, like that's when I saw New Adventures Skeletor was that just me
2: oh um I didn't, but maybe I'll watch it again. Um, yeah, now I'll have to see.
1: Because <laughs> when I saw his face, I was like, oh my god, it looks like New adventure of Skeletor. But I could just be remembering wrong. It's been a while. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm curious of your opinion on that when you take another look at it.
2: Interesting. What's,
0: I actually would have liked, they could have totally incorporated aspects of the new adventures of He-Man Skeletor character design into skelly god and i actually think i would have liked that more i'm not like thrilled with the skelly god design overall i get what they were going for but like i feel like they were trying to kind of do a mesh between battle armor skeletor he-man and the yeah. movie like the 87 movie hmm. god
1: skeletor they should have made him gold
0: um (laughs) well because i mean he even says the line right now i skeletor am master of the universe uh which is the exact same line they ripped it right out of the movie um
2: i forgot that oh yeah so get some
0: let this be a final battle yes yep and i mean well the whole the opening title sequence too rips off yeah uh, well pays homage i shouldn't say rips off because i loved it um you know it paid homage to um the um the, the opening narration of the uh,
1: 87 movie. In on Adam and Tila are on those hover things. Yes. Yep. From the movie. And I was just like, oh my yep. God, it's the things from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and by the way, I do wonder, and what are your guys' opinion? Like, Do you think that... Uh, we also get more of enjoyment out of the show. We being like kind of ha- hardcore fans, I- I'm not trying to like rank fans. I'm not saying one fan is bigger than the other. I don't care if you have a full collection or you have no no collection. You know, you might still be the biggest He-Man fan, but maybe people that are more intimately in bed with the mythos appreciate things like that more. Like you, like you said, you automatically kind of smiled because they were using the hoverboards from the 87 movie um you and know when they
1: brought up nightmare i immediately was like oh my god they just said nightmare
0: yeah so it's like i, I you know so a lot of that nostalgia lore might be lost on the casual viewer that's coming yeah. back into he-man um because of like origins or, or something like that
3: yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've got so I'm. I'm going to use my my friend Eric again here as the example. Very casual fan. He's loving this show so far. I'm not sure if he's finished it yet. Uh, he is definitely not going to get the hardcore references by any means. He barely remembers the filmation show he dips back in and watches an episode here and there and has for years and a lot of that's probably because i'm such a fan and uh he watched the mike young show when that ran um and things like that he's definitely a casual fan he was a much bigger fan obviously growing up uh so i think he's sort of like the you know the fan that grew up with the show and then didn't really revisit it, and maybe never would have if it hadn't been. He uh, he's loving the show. He swore up and down and up until the release that he was going to watch one episode of the series a week, and then yesterday afternoon he texted me that he was done with episode three. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so I I think there's still going to be a lot of uh, enjoyment for uh, even the casual list of. Uh, fans uh in this i'm more than i expected i've I've also gotten i wrote a review on my blog linecord.com. people if you want to read it uh, i wrote a uh, review uh yesterday sh- very short one and got some responses back from that from also like casual fans that were really enjoying the show and appreciated the what i wrote in the review and whatever and that's i, th- I think this may be may go over well with uh, with casual fans, better than I anticipated, actually.
0: Well, I think the important message that I would give, it, besides the fact that it's, I think it's evident from our discussion here that all of us enjoyed Revelation and are looking forward to part two, I would say to anyone who hasn't watched it or is for some reason didn't give it a fair shake on 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 their first binge um watch it again and and give it a fair shake because i i seriously at the at my core feel that this is a a valid and logical masters of the universe story and i think that um i don't care if kevin smith was not a fan of masters of the universe when he was a near teenager in the 80s um i I think a talented storyteller can take a property familiarize themselves with the canon and 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 create a story and often it it sometimes is better i think to be removed from from the uh, property uh to be able to kind of delve into things that you could possibly do you have less restrictions plus we also know uh our our friend ted who's an amazing guy and loves He-Man and She-Ra deeply. Um, you know, was an executive producer on the show. I, I congratulate him for that accomplishment. I think overall the show was uh, fantastic. I, like I said, I binged it three times. Um, I did let social media taint me a little bit. And then I, I, threw that away and i binged it two more times and um i really think if you give it a fair shake uh, you will love it you will see it's true to masters of the universe it does up the stakes as it should for an adult audience this is not a a new show for kids it is a show geared towards people who are familiar with masters of the universe uh it's I don't want to say a love letter to the fans, but it's certainly um for fans. And I think fans will enjoy it, even this fan who doesn't like Tila <laughs> that's you know, my that's my soapbox summary
3: before we wrap up, I had one one last thing uh, that I wanted to mention, uh, especially uh, a second ago when you guys were going into the new adventures side of things. So, I don't mean this in any way to be a knock on New Adventures, because this is sort of a knock on this from, from everything that's come before this show. We have had uh, multiple different ways uh, over the years for Adam's Secret to get out. Whether it was the New Adventures sequence, whether it was uh, the uh, was it DC Comics that started up in like 2013-ish, and they just like disposed of the whole thing, gave He Man that weird hybrid look with Adam for a while. Um, we we've, we've had this uh, moment depicted in a few different ways over the years and i have never been okay with it i've never liked the way it was handled i never liked the way that it felt it i i think this one was the first one where it was like this was authentic this was real this has the uh, emotional impact that that moment should have that has been missing every other time they've tried to do this and just kind of wonder what you guys's thoughts were on that
0: yeah, I thought it was the best reveal. Uh, the, the You're talking about like like the scene with the sorceress stopping time when it's revealed uh, to Tila that Adam is He-Man. I thought that was, it was fantastic. That was one of my favorite scenes.
3: That yeah. and all the way through the Randor Morlena, or you know, I guess Randor finding out as well. Like just, just the way the whole secret identities out now was dealt with was better, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm curious what a kid watching this with no knowledge of the property would think, Um, and I'm sure my brother's going to watch it and have you know his kids watch it if they're interested. So my you know 11 year old nephew who I don't he may have some cursory knowledge of He Man, but I don't think he's watched the original series. because it's not so gory or so you know bad language or anything that a kid couldn't watch it. Um, so I would be interested for my nephew to watch it and see what he thinks about some of these things that we're bringing up as well as a not previous fan. Because I think a lot of it is love letter to the original fans. But I do hope that it also speaks to a new generation that doesn't need doesn't necessarily have or need to have that pre-knowledge to be able to watch it and still enjoy it. I think it's still very enjoyable, even if you don't know a lot about the characters going into it.
0: And also keep in mind, there will be a show for kids that's coming out on Netflix as well called He-Man and the Masters Universe, Mm -hmm. uh, which will be a complete reboot. So it will not like that's the one I I feel would be more shocking to people, um, us adult fans going in than revelation should be like. So the whole Tila blow up story, you know, is just still whatever. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know the I think there'll be a bit more problem with the the children reboot show because you'll still have adult fans uh, checking that out. Oh, but um, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. I'm looking forward to it. I like just like the New Adventures. I, I don't fault things even if I didn't like Revelations. I mean, it doesn't harm. Like, it doesn't kill my childhood if I don't like something. And I was yeah. still not. Uh, I forget how old I was when I wasn't even 10 yet, I think when the New Adventures came out. So, I mean, I was still in that cartoon age even. Um, and it certainly didn't ruin my I mean I did enjoy it but not as much as Filmation but you know it didn't ruin my experience with He-Man like this is such a bizarre concept to me it's just like what if your favorite singer releases a song that you don't happen to like do you throw away their entire catalog like I I just yeah. don't get this mentality of of that but I, I hope that you know our discussion maybe helped change change some minds and that uh, everyone gives a fair shake to master's of universe revelation which is now uh, exclusively on Netflix you have to have netflix to stream it you can stream the first five episodes which is part one of season one uh the conclusion of season one which will be part two another five episodes uh, they have not announced the release date yet, uh, but keep an eye out uh, for that. I cannot wait, as I know you guys can't, to um, to see the conclusion. So thank you for downloading. I'm John wait, Callis. Wait, oh, wait, I, oh. wait, wait, wait. Wait, okay.
1: Rewind. We did not give our condolences to Roboto for sacrificing oh. himself for the good of all oh. and becoming sentient and dying and saying that Duncan created a miracle. We should not have forgotten that part because that was really touching and I loved it.
0: I actually thought that was well done. The death of a machine, like you did, you felt for him. And I thought that was so sweet. It kind of reminded me of the doctor on Voyager, like when he starts becoming more human. (laughs) I was going to say he was
2: very uh, data-esque.
1: Yeah. Oh, now that you say that, that's so true. And I totally felt like, the thing in his chest was like an arc reactor. I don't know if that was only me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it reminded me of. But no, I just loved that he was the one that could forge the sword and that he did and that it, you know, took everything from him to do it. But in that moment, he realized he felt something so that he was more than a machine. And that I always love storylines like that. So I just had to bring it up because it was so good. (laughs) That's one more reason to love Revelation and to check it out. That was like
0: our end credits scene. Like, because I was about to go into the end credits and it was like, (laughs) ah, there's more. (laughs) (laughs) There's more. It's like we're a Marvel TV show or movie. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, then, thanks for downloading. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow.
1: I'm Katie carty Highly, also known as Rainbow Bright.
2: I am, sorry, (laughs) my voice is, uh, I have a cold today. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin.
4: I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratosmacker.
3: And I'm Joshua Lioncourt, also known as (laughs) Lioncourt. Good Good Journey! journey.
0: I'm actually surprised they did not use the the line, Good Journey,
3: to be honest. I think oh, that that's going to be at the one. end of the final episode
0: oh that will be good i hope that they do it
1: <laughs> oh they have to now <laughs>